Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We appreciate it. You have lots of options, so we're happy you're choosing us. The show is brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited, supplying HVAC, plumbing, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Check them out at Sherrod.com. Uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. And you can always weigh in on the show. Pretty simple. 936-6262 is our text number. It's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, the number one GM dealership in the province. Lots going on in the world of sports. NFL free agency doesn't get going until Wednesday, but like the CFL, they have that kind of lead-up week, cheaters week, where they can agree to contracts before they're officially signed. It looks like all signs are pointing to an Aaron Rodgers and New York Jets merger, a trade there between the Packers and the Jets. Packers ready to move on to Jordan Love. Rodgers ready to, I guess, move on somewhere else. (laughs) Ironically enough, following Brett Favre's footsteps from Green Bay to the Jets. Uh, A couple of other big uh, signings. Pittsburgh plucking Patrick Peterson from the Vikings secondary, so he'll join the Steelers. Mike Tomlin. Jesse Bates signing a four-year deal to be a safety with the Atlanta Falcons. $23 of that guaranteed or will be guaranteed. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to sign a deal with the Raiders to uh, quarterback the um, Las Vegas Raiders. We'll get to that and much, much more. we got a pick six coming up. But first, one of the big stories over the weekend was the passing of CFL and NFL legend Bud Grant. This is a guy that got, he was a three-sport athlete out of Wisconsin, got drafted by the NFL and NBA. Played for the, well, he won a NBA championship with the Lakers in Minnesota when they were there. Uh, he played for the Eagles, then went to the Bombers, played four years, and then coached them for like another 28 years. It was ridiculous what he did. Um, and I think uh, he won f- uh, four championships with the Bombers, went to the Vikings, lost the uh, four Super Bowls, but uh, or I'll say come up short in four Super Bowls. He And he's the first guy to ever go into both the Canadian Football Hall of Fame and Pro Football Hall of Fame. This guy comes from the Bud Grant tree. Uh, One of the great coaches in CFL history, Mark Tressman, joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule, Mark, to join me. I appreciate it. Michael, it's always good to be with you. It's always been fun. uh, Thanks for asking me back today. So, Bud Grant, first thing that comes to mind when I mention that name. Um... Wow. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to start that way. Um, uh, a master of observation. Um, nobody lived a fuller life. Uh, you know, I was, uh, quite frankly, I know this is a, uh, going unfiltered here, but having a chance to process losing Bud Grant yesterday, it reminded me that, you know, my dad was able to afford when the tickets were very, very inexpensive, where the the working man could go to Viking games. We had Viking season tickets when I was a, you know, eight years old, and my dad worked all week. But we went to the Viking games on Sunday when they were at home and sat behind the first base dugout of Metropolitan Stadium, and I got to watch my my boyhood idol Bud Grant, you know, walk onto the field as the head coach, and 
Jerry Burns and and John Michaels were assistant coaches who, you know, 20 years later I got a chance to work with. But then I used to watch Bud come to his son's basketball and football games. He was in the stands because I played against his son, Mike, who's, you know, a Hall of Fame high school coach. He's probably won six state championships in Minnesota as a high school coach. And, you know, Bud had five kids. Uh, Then I was in training camp with him for two years as a, you know, a really bad defensive back who got cut before the season started. And then a few years later got to coach with him. So, you know, I got a chance to, you know, live part of his life with him and learn so much from him. Um, He, he was, you know, as, as a head coach, he went, he went home for dinner every night and then came back to finish his work. So family was really important to him. Nature was really important to him. And, and winning was certainly important, but um, it wasn't the most important thing in his life. What did he teach you about leadership? You know, I mean, that's a that's a big word. There's a lot of, you could probably talk for three hours. You could use up my whole show to talk about leadership. But what did Bud Grant, uh, what did Mark yeah. Trussman pick up from yeah. Bud Grant? Well, I, I think I did it, you know, through assimilation. But, you know, when Bud was on the sideline, it almost looked like he wasn't coaching. You know, and what I had the privilege of doing was being on the headsets with Bud. And, you know, Bud was completely in charge and completely managing, but he never made it about himself. He always made it, he always made it about his team. So, you know, he never was the guy who really stood out. And because they had such great winning teams, you know, being stoic and being quiet on the sideline and not attacking players, for instance, you know, Mike Ditka had his ways, but he was going to make sure that in his own way, you know, he in his personality, you would see that he was right and the player was wrong. And I love Mike Ditka. I thought he was a tremendous coach, but he coached differently. And he was a great coach, a Hall of Fame coach as well. So I think Bud, Bud did it quietly, uh, yet he was stern. And uh, the players knew that he, he demanded a certain level of, of uh, you know, of, of, of things the way we did him in the locker room, the way we did him on the field, but he never made it about himself. Got a great story too. Like he he goes to the uh, he's at the CFL All Star Game in 1956. If he takes that plane ride and doesn't book a different uh, ticket, uh, doesn't go. You know, if he goes on that plane, he ends up in a plane crash that took four Rough Riders and one Blue yep. Bomber, uh, and then you know Bud Grant's life is over and and his legacy is stops there. Uh, it, it really is an amazing story. That guy, you know, we talk about two sport athletes and the greatness of this guy. Th- this guy was unbelievable when you look at his life. Yeah, he um, he was able to do it all. He was able to raise an amazing family, five kids. He was able to do it in the same, you know, for 25 years, basically, in Minneapolis. I mean, the house he lived in throughout his coaching career is the house he basically died in. Um you know, right outside of, uh, in the, in the Bloomington area. And he touched so many lives and, you know, as with all coaches, there's takeaways and, you know, because you coach, you have the ability not only to touch lives, but there's the exponential of touching other lives along the way, because those people he coached raised kids and those kids are taught a lot of the, you know, positive character traits that Bud Grant had. So, you know, he'll live in mortality. It's hard to believe he's not alive. He was a person 
you thought would really live forever. Uh, Mark, did did you stay in touch with him through uh, throughout your career, wherever you went? I did, um, not as much as I would have liked to. But when I went back to Minneapolis, you know, we had, we had uh, a couple of occasions had lunch. Uh, um, we had a banquet that we 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 saw each other at. So uh, we caught up, and you know, I would drop him notes along the way and and connect with him uh, along the way. But um, uh, you, you're just really, you know, you never you never expect somebody to just go the way he did so fast, and you never have a chance to say goodbye, and and you've never you know, as you look back, you've never done enough to really say thank you in a, in 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 a way that um, is commensurate with the impact that he had on your life. I, I find it uh, you guys are kind of similar in this sense. He he was a guy, you know, um, and he came to Canada because they offered him more money in the CFL, which is crazy when you think about it nowadays. Nowadays, but he comes to the CFL, and once he goes back to to the NFL as a coach still had the love for the CFL like he still talked glowingly about the CFL and you're a lot like that too NFL uh, you know a pretty reputable coach wherever you went you come to the CFL you have success and you still talk about it uh, in a in a glowing way so you guys share a lot in that aspect well um it's 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 easy to do I mean anybody who spent time up there and and uh had had the privilege of coaching up there and being part of what is an amazing league and an amazing game? Um, how couldn't they feel that way? Mm-hmm. I I wonder, like you know, when the when the opportunity presented itself to come to the CFO, would you reach out to a guy like that and talk to him about it, or did you talk to him once you got the job or anything like that? Well, we used to talk about it because Bud Bud always felt that the NFL should change some of the rules and make it be more like the the CFL. He thought the the CFL was a little bit ahead in some of the rules. Uh, that they had, but, you know, I touched base with them on, on maybe one or two occasions. Um, you know, I also talked to Marv Levy about it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I got to, uh, know Marv Levy along the way as well. So, um, you know, I use, I use those guys as sounding boards, but as I've always said, Wally Bono was really the first coach that I talked to up in Canada and, and he welcomed me to the league and was, was really helpful initially, um, with me, you know, kind of getting my feet on the ground and, and understanding the league. Mark, I, I never asked you this. Last question I'll ask you. How, how was it that you came to the CFL? Like, how did you find your way here? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's a good story. It's a life lesson. Um, and I do tell the story when I go and speak. So I'm at, uh, I'm with the Cleveland Browns. I'm the coordinator there in 1989. And on our staff is Joe Pop, Jim Pop's, uh, Jim Pop's dad. And Jim was, a, I believe he was coaching who was a student coach at Michigan, Michigan State University. And, um, uh, well, 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 he, um, and, and excuse me, I just got distracted because a phone call came in. I had to decline it. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, um, Jim, Jim is, is visiting our staff and his dad, Joe asked me if, if I wouldn't mind letting Jim just shadow me for the week. And I said, sure. I gave him a playbook. He came to the meetings. And uh, that was 1989. Well, in 2007, you know, I was out of work. I, I had planned on you know, coaching at North Carolina State, and uh, our, our head coach got fired. And Jim called me, and he said, "Mark, it, this is Jim Pop." And I basically said, "Who?" I didn't remember the name. He said, "You probably don't remember this, but nobody was ever kinder to me than you were, you know, on my visit to the Browns back in 1989, mm-hmm. and I followed your career." 
and the one thing you haven't done is, is you haven't been a head coach. Would you be interested in being the head coach for the Montreal Alouettes? And so, you know, it's, 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 it's a life lesson that number one, there are no current coincidences. And I think that when you, you know, and I try to express this to players all the time, when you, when you give of yourself and you don't expect anything in return, uh, oftentimes the universe, you know, comes back to you and, and pays you back if you don't expect it. And at 20 years later, I got a chance to be a head coach. And, uh, you, uh, you know, as you well know, coaching in Montreal was, for me, was probably my best five years, the most enjoyable five years of my life. And the experience in Canada and the CFL is something that, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for. Well, we're grateful you always take our call. Thanks for your time and thanks for reminiscing on your friend, uh, Bud Grant. Okay, Michael. Have a great day, great week. Okay, you see too. you next time. You Bye-bye. too. You too. Uh, former head coach of the Alouettes, Bears, longtime assistant coach in the uh, NFL. That'd be Mark Trespin. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's going to be a touchdown for Chandon Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one on the pick six, Brad Gushu wins the Tim Hortons Briar for the second straight time and fifth time in his career as a skip, beating Matt Dunstone of Manitoba 7-5. Gushu is the greatest skip in Canadian men's curling history in terms of wins at the Briar. That's his record-setting fifth, as I said. Great event from Matt Dunstone. Slowly, he's staking a claim as an elite curler. Number two in the pick six, the passing of legendary coach Bud Grant. The six foot three, 199 Wisconsin-born three-sport athlete was drafted by both the NFL and NBA. He earned an NBA title in 1950 with the Minneapolis Lakers and registered eight sacks in 1951 and was second in receiving with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1952 before joining the Blue Bombers who had offered him more money. Imagine that. Grant played four years with the Blue Bombers, leading the West Division in catches three times and receiving yards twice. He also had a record five picks in a playoff game in 1953, a mark that still stands. Then in 1957, Grant became the head coach of the team at the age of 29. He led Winnipeg to six Grey Cup appearances, winning four times. He recorded a club record 102 regular season wins and was named the CFL's top coach in 1965. He also boasted a 16-8-1 record in 25 career playoff games. All of his coaching success was because he opted to take a later flight from Vancouver following that 1956 CFL All-Star game. The original flight Grant was booked on crashed in BC in the mountains, killing 62 passengers, including four Saskatchewan Rough Rider members, along with a Winnipeg offensive lineman. Shortly after the crash, Grant, still in Vancouver, got a call from the president of the Blue Bombers, Jim Russell, who told him that they wanted him to be the coach. He left Winnipeg in 1966 to join the Vikings. He took the Vikings to four Super Bowls, which they lost. Grant was the first person elected to both the Canadian Football and Pro Football Halls of Fame. 
Number three in the pick six, Chargers running back. Austin Eckler apparently is seeking a trade after talks aimed at a contract extension with the Bolts have stalled. He's entering the final season of a four-year, $24.5 million deal. He has rushed for 3,727 yards and 34 touchdowns and caught another 389 passes for 3,448 yards. Eckler and Hall of Famer Lenny Moore are the only players in league history to record 25 rushing touchdowns and 25 receiving touchdowns in their first six seasons. Number four in the pick six, let's stay with the NFL and talk some trenches. Eagles center Jason Kelsey's coming back for a 13th year. The Ravens have cut their big veteran defensive tackle, Calais Campbell. The 36-year-old still wants to play as well. And former Manitoba Bison David Onyemata has agreed to terms with the Atlanta Falcons. Onyemata is 30, and he previously spent seven seasons with the NFC rival Saints. Number five on the pick six, Tyler O'Neill of Maple Ridge, BC, and Jacob Robson of Windsor, Ontario, each had four hits to lead Canada to an 18-8 Mercy Rule win in seven innings over Great Britain in the first game of the World Baseball Classic at Chase Field for Canada yesterday. The 18 runs, the most the Canadians have ever scored at the tourney. Tonight, 1-0 Canada plays the U.S. in the second game of the Pool C, uh, and our own Sean Kleisinger will be dug outside to watch the game, and he'll report back tomorrow. Number six in the pick six, what were you doing when you were 16? I was working at Off Mini Golf Course across from Lakeview Par 3 on Pasqua, and I was playing high school football at McGuigan. That's how long ago that was. Neither of those places exist. <laughs> I was driving my Pontiac Acadian, too, looking real cool in the poor man's Chevette. I said Chevette, not Corvette. Anyway, San Diego Padres prize-catching prospect Ethan Salas is already turning heads only a few days into his first preseason camp with the Pods. On Sunday, a day after making his spring training debut, the manager Bob Melvin at high praise, quote, He's well beyond his years. It's pretty incredible to see a 16-year-old with that kind of composure. <laughs> I'd say so, Bob. Salas caught the final four innings for the Padres in their game against the Chicago White Sox in Cactus League play and was very impressive behind the plate, like he belonged framing pitches like a seasoned vet. Probably makes a lot of us feel like a loser. Time now for your sports ticker. Lots going on in the NFL. Sam Darnold going to agree to a contract with the 49ers, so he goes there as a quarterback. Jimmy G leaving San Francisco. He's getting a three-year, $72.75 million deal with the haters. Signs are indeed pointing to Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers for the Jets in a trade. Uh, Elsewhere, Cowboys have contacted Bobby Wagner, former defender, I believe, with both the Seahawks and the uh, Los Angeles. Angeles Rams. Uh, it looks like uh, Jesse Bates signing to be a safety with the um, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Jalen Ramsey getting traded from the Rams to the Dolphins. A lot of shaking and moving going on in the NFL. They become official, I guess, on uh, Wednesday. All right. In the NHL tonight, we got three games. Buffalo's at Toronto. Colorado on the road in Montreal. Big West matchup. Dallas is in Seattle. And World Baseball Classic Canada taking on the U.S. at Chase Field. Our buddy Sean Kleisinger and our other buddy Arash Madani both at the game.
game. They went for lunch today on me. I'm getting the bill, so there you go. And uh, Sean will be sitting uh, dugout side, the visiting dugout side. I believe that's the American dugout for the game. We'll get an update from both of those guys tomorrow in different time slots. That's your sports ticker. Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. Time now for our Coach of the Week as we recognize a coach at any level of sports. And today we're going to recognize two guys. Both of them are coaching high school hockey, which is one of those sports the high school level that kind of flies under the radar. Liddell Lang at Miller and Russ Nielsen at Archbishop M.C. O'Neill High School are the two we're highlighting today. Both are longtime teachers and coaches in the high school hockey ranks. Russ also doubles as one of O'Neill's track coaches. O'Neill won the city championship last year, so they're going for a repeat on Tuesday. The puck drops at 4 o'clock at the Jack Hamilton Arena, Northwest Regina, if you want to check it out. Liddell Lang and Russ Nielsen are coaches of the week. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Thanks to our dependable producer B, that would be Colson Schultz in for a couple of days here. Sub it in for Sean Kleisinger, who is south of the border on his honeymoon with his great wife Lydia. Going to watch some World Baseball Classic action today. And of course, it's a honeymoon. It's a zinger honeymoon, so they're going to Milwaukee Bucks-Phoenix Suns game the next day. But his wife's apparently down with it, so he's going to stay married, apparently, when he comes back. Uh, you can get a hold of us, 936-6262. Our text line powered by Capital GMC, Buick Cadillac. And on the Western Pizza Hotline, all our guests come. Now, the Pats had a tough weekend. They uh, lost a heartbreaker in Lethbridge. They were up uh, 3-1 and 4-3, but couldn't hold the lead and lost 5-4 in overtime. Got a big point in the race for the playoffs. But then the next night, they went into Medicine Hat and got absolutely trucked. 7-0 by the Medicine Hat Tigers. Our own Dante DeCaria caught up with their great assistant coach, who's always accessible to the media, Ken Schneider, after the game. Well, you know, I thought we actually started pretty well in the first period. The first probably seven, eight minutes, we played pretty well. Um, started to feel like we were getting our legs, and uh, you know, then uh, got the uh, goal called back, which was in our favor. So, you know, uh, things were sort of heading in the right direction. But uh, you know, the, the speed of the game, Medicine Hat really just their transition um, from defense to offense was great. Um, they shut Connor down pretty hard tonight. Um, you just you couldn't seem to get loose, and uh, yeah, I just uh, you know we dropped, lost a couple of players uh, in the middle frame. There we lost uh, the, the fight. Uh, of course, we lost uh, Janelle, and then uh, Spencer was was injured. His ankle uh, banged up again a little bit. So. You know, then we were playing with 10 forwards. It got pretty thin up there. Speaking of Riley Janelle, you were talking about the opening eight minutes of the game. Uh, did you feel that the, the fight for Janelle, obviously uh, due to it being, a, I guess, sort of, quote-unquote, a stage fight, that's why he was ejected to the game, but did you feel that when he dropped the gloves, um, I guess, in the first period, that it was going to provide a little bit more momentum for your group based off how things were going? Yeah, you know, I thought, you know, Riley was trying to get us get us going, and, you know, unfortunately, uh you know, that was the call of the stage fight, and I don't think we, anybody can argue with that. I mean, those those are the rules. Um, and it was unfortunate to lose them so early in the game because we really could have used them tonight. And, and Kenny, uh, there was at one point, I think it took you 15 minutes and 31 seconds to get your first shot 
in the second period of play, and then I think it was only one shot through the first 12 minutes of the third period. So essentially two shots within a 35-minute range. Um, I don't really know how to ask this question, but is, is there anything you think that, or any reason do you think why that was? Maybe explain that a little bit. Well, it's pretty easy, I think. The obvious answer, to be honest with you, Dante, is we, play, we were playing on our own end the entire time, so yeah. we, we weren't there at the other end of the rink very often. But when we did have opportunities to shoot, we, we, for whatever reason, we've kind of gotten away from getting the puck to the net. And so we're giving up shooting chances uh, and trying to pass the puck and make the perfect play, and it, it just doesn't work at this level. No, and I was that was actually going to be my follow-up question. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you, there were so many opportunities to shoot this the puck in the game, and you guys elected to not shoot the puck, obviously leading to uh, uh, just 17 shots throughout the hockey game. But I, I know the, the stat line does not look great for Drew Sim, but uh, as you probably heard in the highlight package before you joined us, um, highlight reel saves throughout the game, a breakaway stop early on with McKenzie uh, sneaking behind your defenders. Lindstrom had a breakaway. Uh, I know it doesn't look pretty at the end, of the night with seven goals against but essentially he did give you guys a chance to win early on in the game correct oh absolutely yeah to be honest i felt really i felt badly for for drew tonight uh you know we we, we just we had to play the veteran goalie to the to the bitter end tonight and um yeah, he, he he wasn't the reason we lost uh, at all um you know he he gave us his best shot and um, you know, it's, it's it's quite unfortunate because we didn't really provide him any kind of offense or defense for that matter. And I know you and I talked about it before the game, and I briefly had talked about it with some of the veteran players on this team leading up to puck drop, and that's you know playing your game, playing what you guys are good at, and uh, sticking to your systems. And I know it's a cliche, and you and I are kind of de- beating a dead horse right now talking about it. Um, again, I guess this game kind of proves that if you guys do play your game and, pl- and play to your structure, at least coming into the branding game on Wednesday, that you do have an opportunity to get back in the win column, right? Absolutely. I mean, uh, we've got to give a, get back up on the bus and get back home and, um, you know, recalibrate here and get ready to play on Wednesday night. Uh, Brandon had their way with Edmonton tonight, so we know we're in for a tough game on Wednesday night. All right, that's Ken Schneider. Yeah, the Brandon Wheat Kings is here on Wednesday. They got a home and home versus the Moose Jaw Warriors. Friday, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, it'll be a messy, messy situation all the way around, both on and off the ice, and they're in Moose Jaw on Saturday. So uh, make sure you check out all those games, all the Pats action on 620 CKRM with our own Dante to carry. A lot's going on in the NFL. We'll get to that next. We talk to Tyler Dunn. He is at golongtd.com. It's a football website. He's a beat writer in the NFL. He used to be a beat writer for the Packers and now the Buffalo Bills. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited, supplying HVAC, plumbing, and irrigation supplies to Western Canada since 1892. Check them out at Sherrod.com. Your voice of Saskatchewan is 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Tyler Dunn, founder of Go Long, golongtd.com, and author of The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. I'm halfway through that book. Very good book, Tyler. Thanks for uh, writing that. A beat writer in the NFL with the Packers and the Bills. Tell you what, uh, first off, how you feeling? You're just getting through the flu, my friend. <laughs> well, thanks for reading The Blood and Guts. 
greatly appreciate you uh, checking that out. Everybody out there buying the book, it was a hell of a lot of fun. But you're right, man. This weather, I, I love. I've got a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. See, me and my wife, we just love blaming our kids when we get sick because, like, now that they're in school or pre pre K, mm-hmm. that stuff just it just spreads like wildfire. But actually, it was bronchitis. So I guess I'm 74 years old now. <laughs> well, isn't it nice it's bronchitis and not COVID? Like back in the day, you'd be like, oh, it's COVID. Now you're just like, oh, it's just bronchitis. Not a big deal. Exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. Just, just, just hacking a lung. Feels like I'm breathing <laughs> through a straw. That's all. Okay. So, like, when is this? Aaron Rodgers, he just likes to drag things out, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, this is uh, right in his wheelhouse now with the entire NFL world waiting on his, uh, his baited breath, on baited breath, waiting for his decision. And I mean, you have to think the Jets and Packers, I think we can assume yeah. they have a deal worked out. They have compensation all ready to go. And it's just a matter of Aaron Rodgers deciding whether or not he wants to play football. And that has been his point of leverage this entire time that he can hold over the Packers hold over any team that he'd be traded to is the threat of, okay, I, I just don't want to play because I don't want to play for you. Um, but there's so many boxes that are checked here. It's Nathaniel Hackett, one of his closest friends in the business, let alone coaches. I mean, they were unbelievably close in Green Bay when Hackett was the offensive coordinator. Now he's in New York. It's the AFC. So Green Bay can move him to the other conference. Uh, Green Bay has moved on. I mean, they're going to start Jordan Love one way or another, they're ready to turn that page. Uh, we heard it about three and a half weeks ago at Go Long, and uh, Bob McGinn, who works at my site, uh, he, he stressed, yeah, this is a team that's been uh, grown a little tired, a little disgusted even, of Aaron Rodgers' dramatics and theatrics, and they're just kind of ready to turn the page to a quarterback who actually does care during the offseason, which Aaron clearly did not last year. Um, so they, I, I don't even think they'll take or demand, you know, multiple first-round picks, maybe not even a first. Who, who knows what they're even getting in this deal. Uh, they just need to know Aaron wants to play, and they'll be hitting that button as fast as they can hit it. Isn't it? Isn't it a real – it's almost ironic, an ironic head-scratcher. Like, he's going to follow the path Brett Favre did, at least as far as the Jets. That's crazy. It, it is. It is. And, and that was – I guess if you're trying to think of a reason he wouldn't go there – maybe that's it. Like, does he really want to be that cliche and follow the same, uh, you know, the, the, the narrator's voice just would stay the same as it was in the summer of 2008 Packers legend goes to New York. But I, I think that it makes a lot of sense because Aaron does believe he can still play at a high level. And if you believe that you can look at that roster that Joe Douglas has built and, and talk yourself into competing. They have a lot of young pieces, sauce Gardner, Quinn and Williams, you know, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, um, they've, they've got a good offensive line that's going to be healthier. So you add Aaron Rodgers, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they can get to the playoffs. They can win a playoff game. And, yeah, I, I think that it's very similar to the Brett Favre situation before, and I think it's similar in that he's going to want to stick it to anybody who's doubting him right now. All of us who say that quarterbacks this side of Tom Brady just fade away into oblivion – which is factually correct. Look at everyone. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Dan Reno. I mean, you hit 37, 38, 39, you're falling off a cliff. And I I do think that's why it would have been smart for Green Bay to just take their unlimited first-round picks the last two off-seasons. If you're willing to bite the bullet earlier, your return is going to be 
unbelievable. Um, they waited. They're not going to get a good return now, but they could get something. They can get out of that contract potentially, and Aaron Rodgers can get what he wants, the opportunity to prove it to anybody who doubts him, which, hey, if the Jets are going to need to know he's bought into the offseason, that he does care. Uh, if, if they're going to take him on for one year, they hope two years, they need to know that he's going to show up for OTAs, he's going to work with these young players, and maybe that's what they're working through right now is, is you need that assurance from somebody who doesn't even know if he wants to play football. And we didn't really see a quarterback who cared last year. But if he does care, hey, he, no, nobody plays better when they're pissed off than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but here, I, I, is, you know him better than me. You've been around him better, more than me. Is he into legacy? Because if he's into legacy, legacy is staying in Green Bay. Brett Favre didn't do that. And let's be honest. Tyler, he's got a way better chance of getting to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl in the NFC, in the AFC, off the top of my head, as you could. I could name four quarterbacks that are better right now. It's true. I'll say this, though. Green Bay is done with him. I I think if he wanted to return, I mean, I guess he, he would have a stranglehold on their cap. And you wouldn't want a $59 million quarterback yeah. as your backup. It would be bizarre, but I think bare minimum, they would tell Aaron Rodgers exactly what they told Brett Favre in 2008. That this job isn't waiting for you. You, you have to compete for it. I mean, at best, mm-hmm. I mean, they might tell him you're a backup. I mean, they, they feel that confident in Jordan Love. I mean, they're done with Rodgers. They that, want to move forward with Love. That's where I'm going. But they can for Aaron right now. That's what I was wondering. How, uh, the organization's uh, lock, stock, and barrel behind Jordan Love? Like, they, it's time to see what he can do. Everything that we're hearing, and the more I talk to people who know Jordan Love best, his private quarterbacks coach Steve Calhoun, his teammates in Green Bay, um, several teammates, both sides of the ball, they saw it. You know, we just saw that Philadelphia game, and he was lights out in that game um, with a couple of drops, too. I mean, that was as good as it gets in, in a tough spot, and it wasn't like Philly was in a prevent defense. No, mm-hmm. they were blitzing them. They were doing different things, and Jordan responded. The touchdown, I think he had a blitz in his face on that play and reacted to it. But beyond that, he worked with the first-team offense the last two months of the season. As Aaron was working through his injury, yeah, he was still starting in the games, but Jordan Love was working with that first team in practice, so they saw – in that setting, what he could do potentially. I think that was the key back with Aaron Rodgers in, in 2007, before he took over in 2008, you know, chatting with Charles Woodson uh, down in Phoenix at the Super Bowl. He said, like, everybody kind of knew Aaron was ready. Even though Brett Favre had that magical 07 season, what, like 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, NFC Championship, 13-3, and three, it seemed ludicrous to all of us to just, close the door on that, but they knew what they had in Aaron because they saw it in practice. The same thing. They know what they have in Jordan Love because they've seen it in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that they're that confident in him that this jump he took year two to year three was so substantial that, I mean, if they could go in a time machine, they'd never give Aaron Rodgers a contract to bid. Uh, before I let you go, two more quarterbacking things. What's going to happen with Lamar Jackson, in your opinion? <sighs> Boy, so bizarre. I I don't get it from Baltimore's perspective to let it get to this point. You know, he doesn't have an agent, makes it really tough. He wants probably, what, five years of guaranteed money, and he's going to use Deshaun Watson and Jimmy Haslam's deal as a starting point, as he should. Uh, But however you slice it, and it's probably easy for me to say because it's not my money, but at the same time, like, 
these Lamar Jacksons don't grow on trees. Like, he's a top-five quarterback. You can win a Super Bowl with this guy. Give me the risk of injury over five years with a Lamar Jackson over the risk of needing to find a new quarterback for the next five <laughs> yeah. years, right? Like, I get yeah. it. He, he, he eats up a fifth-year cap, whatever it is. Fine. Just go, go, go draft better players. Open up your passing game like they're going to do with this new coaching staff. But I, I don't know. I'll, I'll still take Lamar Jackson in that injury risk because there's nobody like him. I mean, that 2019 season was just unbelievable. And, and when he's healthy, I get it. Big if, if he's on the field. He hasn't finished the last two years. Um, he can be unstoppable. So I, I just feel like, you know, be careful what you wish for because – and they're playing this Russian roulette. Maybe they want him all along. And they just are saying, all right, Lamar, go test the market, see what you're worth, and we'll, we'll match whatever that is. Or, or we'll just take our two first-round picks. But – um, it still is risky business with a really good talent because you do worry is the relationship broken beyond repair without that agent, you know, they've got to tell Lamar things that he probably doesn't want to hear that agent yeah. just serves as such a buffer for handling those hard, harsh conversations and what you can't do as a player and why you aren't worth this. Lamar's probably hearing that. And I, I, I worry that, you know, would he even play for them? If, if nobody else really signs him with the deal he wants, he goes, but would he play for him? I, I really don't know. It's a good point. question. If I'm going to take a stab at it, Washington Commanders. Yeah. Desperate owner, desperate team, looking to sell the franchise. What better way to make your franchise look profitable? And Joe Theismann told me once, don't ever negotiate your own contract for what you just said. So that's a, that's a really good point. I think the only way a quarterback gets guaranteed money like Deshaun Watson is if the likes of uh, – Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert, who are all up around the same time, if they all say, no, we're not playing unless we get guaranteed money, then what are the owners going to do? they got to pay. I'd love it. I'd love it. I mean, these teams are basically colluding to not give out that guarantee. I mean, it was so bizarre to see team after team after team announce, we don't want Lamar Jackson. Like, no, we're all in this together. We're not going to pay these quarterbacks all this guaranteed money. All these quarterbacks should decide, all right, we're not going to play unless we get that guaranteed money. That'd be awesome. I'm unapologetically pro player, so that would be great. Yeah, me, yeah, me too. And lastly, uh, big game Jimmy. He can never stick with the team, but he is big game Jimmy. He does some good things in big games. I think Josh McDaniels makes a lot of sense with Vegas, knowing that offense. It's a demanding offense with a demanding coach, and it Kinda, I'm not saying this is right. I mean, I, I, I don't think I'd necessarily be that excited if I was a Raiders fan. He is what he is. He's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl with this guy. Hey, uh, Tyler, thanks for your um, time, man. I really appreciate it. Go check out his absolute great work at golongtd.com. We'll talk to you again and uh, get healthy. Hey, thanks so much for audibling on the day. Glad we made it happen. And uh, anytime, man, always great to catch up. Yeah, great guy. Reading that tight ends book, like I said at the start of the interview, that he uh, has out. You want to check that out. It's a pretty good read. Talking about uh, the tight end, one of the most important positions in football in the U.S. Speaking of the U.S., lots going on in the NFL. Free agency officially kicks off on Wednesday, as we were talking about there. Still not confirmed about Rodgers, but it looks like he's going to the Jets, as Tyler Dunn was alluding to there. The Packers are done with him. Jimmy Garoppolo to sign with the Raiders officially on Wednesday. Sam Darnold 
has a deal, a one-year deal to be a quarterback in San Francisco, joining the likes of Brock Purdy, who had elbow surgery, and Trey Lance coming off that uh, foot injury. Uh, elsewhere, the Chicago Bears have signed two-time Pro Bowl linebacker Tremont Edmonds, formerly of the Bills, and guard Nate Davis. So they're plucking off the uh, Bills roster. Chargers running back Austin Eckler seeking permission to speak with other teams about a potential trade after talks with the team aimed at a contract extension is a well, they've halted right now, according to Adam Schefter. Eckler's 27, about to be 28, entering the final season of a four-year, $24.5 million contract. He's going to earn $6.25 million, uh, well below what some of the top backs are being uh, paid. And in the last few years, he has scored the most touchdowns receiving and running combined. So there you go. Uh, interesting uh, what the Chargers do there. At about 27, 28 is when a running back starts going downhill. So you don't necessarily want to allot a lot of cash to your running back. They seem, I'm not saying like other announcers have said, they're a dime a dozen because Eckler's not a dime a dozen. Just kind of a slippery slope right there. Jesse Bates signing a four-year deal, leaving the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's a four-year contract with the Atlanta Falcons, $23 million in the first year. David Onyemato, the former Manitoba Bison, who spent seven years with the New Orleans Saints, goes to his NFC South rival, Atlanta Falcons joining Bates over there. So he signs a deal to uh, help them out on the defensive line. we got a great uh, rest of the show coming up here. After 4 o'clock, Joey Alfieri in the marketing department of the Montreal Alouettes to talk all things Alouettes. Cody Fajardo, Jason Moss, their new ownership with uh, Pierre Carl Palado taking over the team there. We'll have a SJHL playoff preview with Jamie Neugebauer at 420-ish. And we're going to hear from one of the... Uh, players from the U of S Huskies who's in the mix to be drafted a draft you'll hear right here the CFL draft on 620 CKRM May the 2nd it's Caleb Morin receiver with the Huskies who qualified for the uh, national combine by uh, squeaking through at the regional we hear from him coming up just before five o'clock this is the sports cage for Andrew shared limited on 620 CKRM 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And the show on this Monday is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, supplying HVAC, plumbing, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Check them out at Sherritt.com. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We're joined by Joey Alfieri of the Montreal Alouettes. Joey, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Great end to the week. Alouettes have a new owner. Uh, from your perspective, <laughs> yeah. obviously, you're liking it. Just tell us a little bit, uh, a little bit about Mr. Palado. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, he's, he's a gentleman who's had a lot of success uh, running uh, Quebecois and, and Videotron uh, out in the province of Quebec in particular. But, you know, I think they're they're starting to grow in the well, not starting. They're, they've definitely grown uh, in the rest of Canada. But to me, it's just it feels great. You know, as somebody who, who now is, you know, with the team in a marketing capacity, uh, someone who covered the team for a long time uh, for different media outlets, uh, for somebody who grew up as a diehard fan of this team and who's had season tickets uh, for more than 20 years, you know, I, I like 
um, when there's stability at ownership level. Um, and finally, you know, to have that for the first time in a while now, is it feels really, really nice. And, you know, I thought Mr. Peladon knocked the, the, the interview and the press conferences out of the park. Uh, and it really, I think, I think most people, listen, anytime the Alouettes make any move, there's like any team, right? It's, like, it's never unanimous. And this wasn't unanimous either. Uh, but I think that after they heard him speak and after they saw the vision that he has for the team, I think there's a lot more people that came around and weren't uh, into this idea before. Maybe take us behind the scenes. What kind of vision does he have? He kind of alluded to the fact that he'll make it more like a Quebec-oriented team. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he definitely mentioned that he wants it a, a – he wants – I think what he meant by that is, you know, he wants the, the support to be province-wide and, and not just uh, – you know, fans from Montreal. So from that perspective, you know, I think that's really smart. Uh, but I, I think it's clear, like the vision, you know, there, there's no end game here. Like I think the end game is that he really wants a, a club from his city, uh, from his province to, to thrive. And, you know, he said, it's a business, but, you know, I realize um, that I'm not doing this for, for financial reasons. I'm doing this because, you know, I, I love the city. I love the football team. And, and so it's, you know, it's a little bit of a, a passion project for him. So uh, I, I really, really liked what I heard. Uh, getting local ownership here for the first time in a really long time is great. Um, and, and like I said, it just it's great to have somebody on board who knows what the challenges are going to be and somebody who's you know worked it at the business level uh, for a really long time and has been really successful in this province. I think there's uh, there's nothing but uh, bright skies ahead for the football team here. So Joey Alfieri, just stress that because I was going into that next. Just how important is it to have a guy with boots on the ground that knows the area, knows the province, has the connections, and is there? Yeah, well, I think it's huge, right? Because, you know, and it's no disrespect to previous ownership because, you know, they, they you know, the Wettenhall family was great for a long time. You know, and Gary Stern and his family, they, they came through uh, at a time where the, the league really, really needed them and, and, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. So, uh, but to have somebody here who understands the way the consumer and the fan thinks, I think changes the game for uh, for this team and for the organization as a whole. And I think the, the league itself is going to benefit from, you know, having a, an owner who better understands uh, the Quebec market and who's going to be a governor and a guy who, you know, can, can kind of slam his fist on the table and say, hey, listen, this is what we need to do out east. So um, I think everybody wins. I think it's, you know, and I think, people in Western Canada understand that, you know, Quebecers have a bit of a different mentality and to ha- from top to bottom to have everybody on the same page and understand, you know, what goes into running a successful business in this province. I think it's a game changer. Joey Alfieri uh, from the marketing department of the Alouettes joining us here. What do you think was the best off besides the ownership? What was the next best move in the off season by the Owls in your opinion? Yeah, well, I really like the Jason Moss hire. I mean, there's so many moves that you can go with here. I really like what they've done in the quarterback room with uh, Fajardo Evans and extending Davis Alexander. But to me, I've gotten to be around Jason Moss just a little bit now this offseason. Uh, and actually, uh, the coaches are uh, are all in town. They all flew in from their respective cities uh, to uh, for, for the entire week uh, for uh, to, to, to be together and to, to put this playbook and all that together. I really like the Jason Moss hire. I, I think it's it's one that Danny Matocha did really, really well with. Uh, Mario Cecchini, the, the interim president now, um, was part of that process as well. And, and so, you know, I know it didn't end 
uh, the way people in Regina had hoped. But, you know, I just I go back to the success uh, that he had in Edmonton. They did win playoff games. They were above, well above 500 in a division that was really, really tough. And I like the offensive concepts. I, I like the structure that I think he's going to bring uh, to the organization as well. And, uh, and a lot of the free agents have already said, the players that I've spoken to said, you know, you get that vibe in Montreal. We haven't even been together yet. And you get that vibe that they're building uh, that, that family-oriented way of thinking. So uh, to me, I think you start there. And then obviously bringing in the players that they've brought in under some difficult circumstances. I like what they've done from top to bottom. But I, I just from what I've seen uh, over the years covering the league and what I've seen just interacting with him, I mean, the Jason Moss hire was, was really, really well done for me. Yeah, you know, he's not a dumb coach. I, you know, sometimes... Uh, uh certain situations maybe uh, take a little bit of uh, the luster away from a coach or a player. And I think that's the case for both guys, Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo. Bit of a false narrative or fake news, as they like to say. There, there was talk that Moss and Cody didn't get along and, and that type of thing weren't on the same page. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true. So you got a, a couple of guys, I don't want to say resurrecting their uh, career, but what I'm saying is they're getting that, maybe get that luster back again uh, together. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple of guys that are in that same uh, situation. But, you know, Cody in particular, I think, you know, speaking of Cody, I think he's going to come into camp with something to prove and with a chip on his shoulder. And so, you know, it wasn't too long ago uh, where, you know, he was the CFL all-star quarterback and he's a guy who's done really well. And like to me, when you, you know, when you're forced to play um, with a torn MCL, Second week of the season as a mo- as a regular you know, as a quarterback who stands in the pocket and stuff, but as a mobile quarterback, it's even becomes even more difficult. So I think he's got a lot to prove. Uh, he's fully healthy. Uh, I like the moves. You know, I like, again, I like the moves. I like the Avery Williams move and Jamal Roll and Siante Evans. You know, they've they've upgraded at a lot of positions here. Uh, and but you know, it's only normal that the quarterback is, is going to be the face. And again, Fajardo, I really like the signing. Uh, I think he fits. Uh, with what they want to do because they, you know, I think this is an offense by CFL standards that's going to run the ball quite a bit. Um, so when you have Fajardo and you have a healthy William Standback and you have Walter Fletcher and you have Jeshurun Antwi, the Canadian back who led them in rushing last year, all those guys are back. Um, you know, I think they're going to lean heavily on the run game. When you have a mobile quarterback, when you want to do that offensively, well, I think it makes you that much more dangerous. So I like to fit all the way around. Okay, so we can, we know Trevor Harris. He's been around a while, but uh, you were around yeah. him. Uh, just tell Ryder fans what we're getting in Trevor Harris from your perspective. I mean, just a classy individual, a great quarterback. I mean, I got to work with him for, for a year. Uh, I joined the Owls in February. He came back. Uh, in February, but just just a really special guy with, you know, he's a man of God. He's a guy who, who takes that leadership role very seriously, really, really prepares himself meticulously, not just um, week in, week out, you know, being the first one in, last one out of the facility, but you can tell during the offseason too, uh, in his offseason training, he, he's really sharp. He's a really sharp dude. And I think the riders, you know, are going to appreciate having him around. And I just, I want to mention, you know, I, I know numbers wise, uh, the stats were down for Jake Winicky, but that might just be the nicest gentleman in the CFL. I mean, such a good player. Um, he's great in the community as well. People in Montreal really warmed up to him very, very quickly. Uh, and so that's another guy that, you know, just, just a star on the field, but a star off the field as well. 
well. So you're getting two really classy individuals uh, out in Regina. Well, thanks for that, Joey. And hey, uh, you're in the marketing department, so uh, I can't wait to see what you guys with the new ownership have drummed up to get support or continue support and have that game thrive in Montreal. Thanks for your time, Joey. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it was a good news a good news day on Friday when the Alouettes were sold to um, Mr. Palado, former Party Quebecois leader, which is kind of funny, ironically. He was in charge of a party that wanted to break up the country, but now he's part of the, well, he is the owner of a team in the Canadian Football League and says he's proud to do it. So uh, that is good news. I'm not going to uh, have one negative thing to say about it right now. Uh, I'm I'm really not. We'll touch on that with Glenn Suter a little later on in the show. Still to come on this show here. Up next, we'll have a little SJHL playoff preview as uh, we're getting set for the playoffs to fire up on Friday with some interesting matchups. We'll be joined by the voice of the Notre Dame Hounds. He knows all things about the SJHL. Noogie, Jamie Nugabauer joins us next. It's the Sports Cage on this Monday for Andrew Sherrod Limited. Uh providing HVAC, plumbing, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. First pitch, smoked, right field, deep, gone. Hello, Edward Julien, one of the top prospects that Canada has produced over the last few years. And this guy can absolutely rake. Well, what a way to get your team right back into it. Jump on the first pitch you see in this tournament and hit a line drive out of the ballpark. And the clutch performers, Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic as they thump Great Britain 18-8. to Coming up, Canada takes on the United States tonight in the World Baseball Classic. Our own Sean Kleisinger and Arash Madani will be there and we'll check in with those dudes tomorrow. The Clutch Performer brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Monday show brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, and it's time to keep it rolling by heading back out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We're getting our SJHL info hot and fast from our guy Jamie Nugabauer. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Playoff matchups are set. Playoffs get going Friday. I'm really looking forward to that Esteban Flin Flon one. Yeah, you know what? I've been talking nonstop to people as the schedule was also released just a couple minutes ago, in fact. And it's going to be a grind and a half if that series goes seven. I mean, they're going to have three games in five days going back and forth from Estevan and Flin Flon for five, seven, for five, six, and seven if they get that far. But anybody that takes this Estevan Bruins team lightly, I think, is making a big mistake. And I think Jason Tatarnik, the head coach and GM of the Estevan Bruins, you know, really built this team for playoff hockey they are big they are not nice and they have great goaltending in cam herdlicka so they have that experience from the sjhl finals and the centennial cup last year they know how to play good solid structured defensive hockey they they have a hard time putting pucks in the net but the flinflon bombers aren't healthy right now they haven't been healthy for a month so that series is a lot harder to predict than people think all right one that should be easy to predict is battleford against weyburn 
I have a lot of respect for Cody Mapes and Kevin Saworski. They coach my son in minor hockey, so I know them well. They'll have their team ready to go. It's an uphill battle. Now, it's not, you know, let's let's ask the question this way. How can Weyburn beat the Battlefords? Well, I, whenever I talk about an upset, uh, and you you know, you've been around the game longer than I have. I talk whenever I talk upsets, the first two boxes you have to check are goaltending and then special teams. And first off, you know, Daza Mitchell, the 04 birth year out of Regina, the is the goaltender for the Weyburn Red Wings, is going to need to stand on his head. I'm not gonna you're not going to candy coat it any other way, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to have to be remarkable. Second thing is, and the Weyburn Red Wings have not proven this all year long, is that they haven't been able to stay out of the penalty box. And part of discipline, or part of special teams, is discipline, right? The Battleford's North Stars scored 27 power play goals in five games this year. The uh, Red Wings just couldn't stay out of the box against the, the Stars. They couldn't stay out of the box against almost anybody. They were the second most penalized team in the league. So, you know, that's, I guess, how they don't uh, win is if they take a lot of penalties. If, they, if they're if they disciplined, they get great goaltending uh, and they get just a brilliant performance from their top line. You know, Jackson, Hasman, Riley Morgan, and Ty Mason, which has been as good a line as there is in the SJHL uh, in the second half half you know there's always a chance they have they have a very experienced team the waiver red wings they won't be overawed because of inexperience it'll just be you know i don't know who's stopping the key and bells and the jake southgates and the steve kesslings of the world and the holden dolls of the world right now i mean the the it's as big of a uh, underdog situation uh, honestly as as i've seen as i've been in the league and i think the waiver red wings uh you know have to really stay out of the box and play good discipline hockey all right uh Outline the other series for me if you can, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, if you're if you want kind of old rough and tumble rock'em sock'em hockey, <laughs> then look no further than the four seed Melfort Mustangs and the five seed Larange Ice Wolves. I mean, you go find yourself a coin and flip it, and you have a pretty good uh, idea on how to pick this series. I mean, the season series has been just so back and forth. Both these teams are as good as anybody at home. Uh, the Melfort Mustangs did just hang on to home ice advantage very late in the year. The Larange Ice Wolves had to go into the Whitney Forum on the last day of the year to face against the Flin Flon Bombers and beat them in order to get home ice, and they weren't able to do that, even though they gave it all they could. Uh, I think on paper, the talent uh, ledger is slightly in favor of the Melfort Mustangs, and some people would also point to the fact that their 20-year-old goaltender, Joel Favreau, has had a very solid season, but... Uh, you know, I, I think still like, it's hard to argue that the Dawson Smith in the in the Larange Gold is as good as anybody too, and they got a, a very interesting uh, balanced lineup, and they're hard to beat at home. So it, it's a very very hard to pick. There's going to be a lot of fighting, a lot of battles in the corner. It's going to be gritty, grimy hockey, and I think Trevor Blevins for Melford and Kevin Kaminsky in for Larange kind of got to be rubbing their hands. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch because it's not going to be friendly hockey. It's going to be mean, mm-hmm. mean stuff, and. And then uh, for the Humboldt Broncos versus the Nippewin Hawks, I mean, that first of all, I, I do got to harken back uh, for a second. It's the first time since the, the series that was going on during the crash that these two teams have faced off in the in the playoffs. And, um, you know, it's also the first time in a while that the Humboldt Broncos haven't had a series in which the other team is really, really far away from them. So the, the travel for Humboldt to Nippewin will be as easy as pie. Everybody who knows the geography of Saskatchewan will know that. So, 
it'll be sort of down to the rosters more than anything. And, you know, I, I just think, you know, the, the Nippowin Hawks are maybe a year away. I think Tad Cozen has built a great team uh, of for speed and for entertainment. And, and, you know, just they've played pretty well in the second half and, you know, took advantage of a schedule that was a little bit favorable. But they have a very good uh, couple bunch of players. But the Humboldt Broncos are healthy for the first time all year. They believe in their goaltending for the first time all year. Um, you know, I have a hard time seeing this series as sort of less of a underdog series than uh, the Battleford's Weyburn one, to be honest. I think it's kind of, if you're going to, you know, put put a gun to my head, so to speak, I think it's going to be two quick ones and two, two, uh, and two long ones here in the SJHL playoffs, if I'm being fully honest. Okay, good. So you, so basically you have picked uh, the Battleford's and you've picked Humboldt. Who do you got in the other two series then? <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Like again, you you flip coins, right? I mean, so you you put the rosters between beside Flynn Flon and Estevan together. It's uh, it's it's Flynn Flon for sure in terms of talent. Um, but I just think because Flynn Flon has home ice advantage that uh, they'll go, they'll take it in seven. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take Flynn Flon because they know they're just going to stay get healthy and kind of work their way through it. So I'll take Flynn Flon. And every time I bet against LaRange Icewolves in any sort of way, shape, or fashion, it blows up in my face. So I'm not going to make that <laughs> mistake this time. Uh, the LaRange Icewolves uh, in seven. Melford Mustangs fans, be mad at me if you want, but that's two. We'd be two years in a row that uh, it would be heartbreak uh, hotel for the Melford Mustangs. But uh, boy, oh boy, yeah. Again, uh, I'm not confident on that uh, Flynn Flon or that Larange uh, Melford one, but I'm going to take Larange by a, an eyebrow. That's our SJHL uh, star prognosticator, Jamie Nugabar, voice of the Notre Dame House. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime. Hey, thanks to Jamie. When we come back after the 430 News, we've got the CFL report, and we'll talk to a budding CFL star, a guy who hopes to turn some heads at the National Combine. He's receiver Caleb Morin from Saskatoon, starred with the Huskies, had the most receiving yards for the team in the Vanier Cup, and their loss to Laval Rouge Or That and much, much more. It's the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. Sports sticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. All right, uh, NHL tonight, we got three games on the ice. We've got Buffalo at Toronto, Colorado visits Montreal, Seattle, hosts Dallas. World Baseball Classic, Canada taking on the United States. Our own Sean Kleisinger will be there, and our owner Ash Madani will be there, and we will hear from both of them tomorrow. 49ers are going to sign Sam Darnold officially on Wednesday when free agency opens. Raiders are signing quarterback Jimmy G. Nothing official yet, but all signs pointing to Aaron Rodgers to the Packer or to the uh, Jets from the Packers. Chargers running back Austin Eckler asking for a trade because contract talks have stalled. And back to hockey for a second. The sale process for the Ottawa Senators well underway as the NHL has confirmed that it's going over a number of bids for the team in the nation's capital. We'll talk to former CTV sports reporter here, Claire Hanna, who's working for TSN in Ottawa, a friend of the show. She'll join us tomorrow. That's your sports ticker. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. 
today on the CFL Report. We go back to our interview on Friday with Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. We had just talked about the Montreal situation and the fact they found a new owner, and now sights are set on a 10th team in Halifax. Yeah, you know, remember, Michael, I mean, if, well, first of all, I appreciate you asking the question and raising the point. Look, we were in uh, in 2019, we had, uh, we had funding approved by Halifax Regional Council. There was a huge bit of momentum there. Uh, things were, you know, discussions were very intense around uh, getting it done. Uh, and, uh, and COVID changed the world. And so, look, again, you don't, you don't, let's not dwell on that because that's not the story. The story is that uh, we're through that period. We know getting our 10th team is, a, is important to the future of the league. And now we seem to have momentum again. But Michael, with your to the point you made, we have a sense of purpose that we need to get in and get it done. And that's the way uh, that's the way we're going to uh, approach it. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. I'm joined by receiver for the U.S. Huskies, Caleb Moore. How are you, bud? Oh, doing super good. How are you? Good, man. So you were in the regional combine and get to the national combine. Tell me about your regional combine experience and how much do you think that'll help you springboard into the national one? Yeah, you know, I've I thought it helped a lot. Um, I just, yeah, um, just take that experience and and kind of move on next to the the next level. You know, we're gonna use that and just be more comfortable, I guess, to get to get those testing done. You know, yeah. Um, just felt like I I didn't really test great, so I'm hoping I can just like go in and you know only up those up those numbers for the next stage kind of thing. Which uh, which testing numbers, if you had to pick one or two, do you want to do better at at the national event? Um, I think the vertical and, the, and the, the broad jump are two big ones that I feel like I underperformed on that I can do a lot better with for sure. Uh, nerves or the fact you didn't really uh, go in prepared? Or do you think it was more nerves? Um, honestly, it was like a little bit of everything. I, I had some, some delays on my flight. Uh, I ended up getting in at like 1230 at night, uh, waking up at 530 in the morning the next day, just didn't really set myself up to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was like one of those days where I just felt like I didn't really have it. Were you surprised that you got invited with, with having said that, were you surprised you got invited to the national one then? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I was, I was pumped out of my mind. Uh, yeah, when he called my name, it was, it was almost just like this disbelief, but yeah, I was, you know, like I, I trained with those other guys that are going to the national combine and we, you know, we, they keep telling me this the whole time we've been training, you know, you're, you're going to be there right with us. And, and when my name got called, I'm like, you know what, I just gotta, I gotta trust, trust the process and, and rely on my strength and conditioning coaches, you know, they're going to get me in the right spots to, to get there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you ever really overcome losing Vanier Cups like the last couple of years? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. You know, um, you know those ones those ones are gonna hurt, and they're and they're gonna hurt probably for the rest of my life. But uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a big part of the the 2021 one. I was took a medical red shirt, so mm-hmm. the this 2022 year was was huge, and I really like got to experience it 
firsthand and yeah um those are tough but you know like they always say it's just how you bounce back to the next level well you had a great game you had i think four catches for 97 yards and it was uh it was a pretty solid effort from you caleb uh besides yourself who are, is there a teammate or a coach you're more, most disappointed in the fact that you couldn't get them a championship? Oh, that's, yeah, it's a, that's an easy question. It's always Mason nice, you know. Um, I got to credit that guy for everything he does for me and, and him throwing me the ball, you know. Uh, we, we developed this chemistry that was, you know, unmatched. And, you know, we were, we, we've been best friends for the past six years being on the team, right? So, not getting that guy the ring was was is is difficult, but yeah, you know, not everything in life is perfect, so it's hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, Caleb, I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay, they want to fluster you with questions at the, you know, getting ready for the draft. So let's uh, let's go through some questions, if you will. I've done this with other guys. Okay, yeah, for sure. Would you be okay with moving away from home, and why? Because Saskatchewan kids get asked that all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, yeah, of course. Um, you know, I want to play on whatever team wants me, but you know, that's just like part of growing up. I, I still live at home. Right. So this is just like the next stage of the journey. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta put your big boy pants on and, and move out of the house and, <laughs> you know, take on the world as it is. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, so, uh, besides the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uniform, what's your favorite uniform in the CFL? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a good question. I don't know if I have the answer to that. Um, you know, Winnipeg, uh BC. I I like uh Western Canada. Oh yeah. Well, you got you yeah. got some husky guys out in BC, so that would be uh, kind of be a natural yeah, fit exactly. to pop out yeah. there. Okay, uh, Caleb Morn, if you could have dinner with anyone other than a family member or a close friend, who would it be? Um I think I'm going to have to go with my guy Adam Thielen. Uh Okay. Yeah, he, you know, I've always always kind of been a big fan of that guy. You know, he, he worked his way up the ranks into the pro levels. And I just, you know, I aspire to be somebody like that, right? You, you know, you're not just given every opportunity, you know, you work for that. And, and that's kind of how I model my game and my career. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's got to be the one. That's a good one. Caleb Morin, favorite football memory to this point in your life? Yeah, uh, it's got to be playing in the in the Vanier Cup this past season. Um, but aside from that, just winning, you know, like our Hardy Cup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, came onto the team, and and we were we you know we were in a bit of a dark stage. So maybe I could say my Husky career as a whole. Uh, you know, the, the program really really shaped went you know from the bottom to the top the whole time I've been here. So just like the experience in general is, is unmatched, and yeah. Hey, back to the Vanier Cup. We know you had a good game. Is there a play or something you'd like to have back in that game? Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that pass over the middle uh, in the end zone, I would love to have that one back any day of the week. Um, you know, it was a little high, but that's that. You know, that's what that's what I catch. You know, I got to be able to make that play. And yeah, you know, I, I'll lose sleep over that one every night. For I was sure. gonna say, you must have been tough to sleep that night, hey. Oh yeah, I don't think I really saw much at all. I'm gonna be honest with you. But. Yeah. Well, that's what we want. I'm a I'm a GM here. I want you to be honest. That's good. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Caleb, pick up your phone. What's the first picture on your camera roll? What do I? If I picked up your phone and looked at the first picture, what would it describe it for me? On my camera roll. Yeah, like you go to your phone right now. Okay. Can you put me on speaker? I guess I don't know. Go, go, oh, yeah. go to your camera roll, and what's the first picture on there? 
Or I guess the last picture you took. The very last picture I took. Yeah. Um, it's actually a picture with me and my girlfriend. Okay, good. How long? Okay, now yeah. go. Now, now get off speaker. Get back on with me. How, what? Uh, what's your girlfriend's name? Uh, Kat. And how long have you been dating for? Uh, it's been a couple months. It's about six months now. Okay, good, good. Where'd yeah. you meet? Where'd you meet her? Uh, here in Saskatoon. She goes to she goes to school here. So yeah. Oh, Just, good. Good. Yeah, You're... both both kin students. Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. And that's what you want to get into kinesiology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. Uh, one superpower, Caleb Morn, if you could have it, what would it be and why? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I've, I got to go with Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, that's been my guy ever since I was young. Okay. So you want to be able to yeah. like, you want to yeah, be able to just like. Some webs and, yeah. 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 Do some webs. Okay. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, okay. <laughs> C- Caleb Morland, uh, Morn, what do you love about football? Uh, Just. Honestly, it's got to be the relationships you make. Uh, you know, these are these are my brothers, and they wouldn't have been my brothers if I was if I didn't play. You know, mm-hmm. uh, these relationships are going to go a long way. I, you know, I just got invited to I would say essentially my first wedding as you know as one of my friend group, right? So Carter Dahl just got married. Um, me, Mason, Sam, and and Finley were all over at that at that wedding, and yeah, like those are. Those are just the moments that you like the most, and and yeah. Mm-hmm. So just the friends you make, I guess, along the way. What's your best attribute as a player, Caleb Morin? Uh, just the ability to catch the ball. Um, you know, I think my catch radius is is unmatched, being six two uh, with a, a great wingspan. I I trust my hands, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that that just like brings a lot to the table. I catching contact. Yeah, so that. Are you ready to run down on special teams and make some tackles? Yeah, I, uh, I'd like to see myself as more of a blocker. I think uh, that um, mm-hmm. you know, punt, uh, punt return and and uh, you know, kickoff return that mm-hmm. kind of. But you're ready aspect. to dig in because you realize playing Canadian receiver, you're going to have to do some of that. Yeah, exactly, for sure, and mm-hmm. and. Yeah. That's just part of the challenge, I think. So yeah, and uh, talking about uh, attributes, what's your best attribute as a human being? Not just not a football player, but just in day to day life. What would you say your best uh, trait is? Um, yeah, that's a good one. I, I would like to think I'm selfless. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, look after people, look care about other people as much as I can, and and make sure everyone else beside me is doing well, and mm-hmm. and you know, ready to take on the day and. You know, any any chance I get to to make somebody smile or do any anything like that, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of where I lie. Lastly, Caleb Morin, why should my team draft you? Tell me, sum it up for me. Why should we take you with a selection? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever it takes to help the team win. That's that's the bottom line. Caleb, thanks for your time, man. I'll eagerly yeah. watch you at the national combine. Good luck in the Appreciate draft. Appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Take care, man. Caleb Oren joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Yes, he will be one of the players at the Combine, hoping to turn some heads and then eventually get drafted on May the 2nd. A draft we're going to have covered from pillar to post, as Ed Whalen used to say, right from the first pick to the last pick. We'll have various features on the players, the Saskatchewan-based players. Talk to some coaches. Glenn Suter will join us. John Hodge from Three Down Nation. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, break it down for you. First time in the history of this station, and I think I, I don't remember it being covered in radio anywhere anywhere. 
from start to finish. I know TSN does two uh, live rounds on TV and then the rest online, but nothing's been done on radio. We are going to do it on radio right here on your voice of Rough Rider Football 620 CKRM and your voice of Saskatchewan as well because we are committed to helping this game survive and thrive. All right, when we come back, a pick six. We like to uh, chop up six of the sports stories of the day, handpicked by yours truly. If you have any text, please text us, 936-6262. Our text line's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. And you're listening to The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. It's going to be a touchdown for Chandon Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one of the pick six, Brad Gushu wins the Tim Hortons Briar for the second straight time and fifth time in his career as a skip, beating Matt Dunstone of Manitoba 7-5. Gushu is the greatest skip in Canadian men's curling history in terms of wins at the Briar. That's his record-setting fifth, as I said. Great event from Matt Dunstone. Slowly, he's staking a claim as an elite curler. Number two in the pick six, the passing of legendary coach Bud Grant. The six foot three, 199 Wisconsin-born three-sport athlete was drafted by both the NFL and NBA. He earned an NBA title in 1950 with the Minneapolis Lakers and registered eight sacks in 1951 and was second in receiving with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1952 before joining the Blue Bombers who had offered him more money. Imagine that. Grant played four years with the Blue Bombers, leading the West Division in catches three times and receiving yards twice. He also had a record five picks in a playoff game in 1953, a mark that still stands. Then in 1957, Grant became the head coach of the team at the age of 29. He led Winnipeg to six Grey Cup appearances, winning four times. He recorded a club record 102 regular season wins and was named the CFL's top coach in 1965. He also boasted a 16-8-1 record in 25 career playoff games. All of his coaching success was because he opted to take a later flight from Vancouver following that 1956 CFL All-Star game. The original flight Grant was booked on crashed in BC in the mountains, killing 62 passengers, including four Saskatchewan Rough Rider members, along with a Winnipeg offensive lineman. Shortly after the crash, Grant, still in Vancouver, got a call from the president of the Blue Bombers, Jim Russell, who told him that they wanted him to be the coach. He left Winnipeg in 1966 to join the Vikings. He took the Vikings to four Super Bowls, which they lost. Grant was the first person elected to both the Canadian Football and Pro Football Halls of Fame. Number three in the pick six, Chargers running back. Austin Eckler apparently is seeking a trade after talks aimed at a contract extension with the Bolts have stalled. 
He's entering the final season of a four-year, $24.5 million deal. He has rushed for 3,727 yards and 34 touchdowns and caught another 389 passes for 3,448 yards. Eckler and Hall of Famer Lenny Moore are the only players in league history to record 25 rushing touchdowns and 25 receiving touchdowns in their first six seasons. Number four in the pick six, let's stay with the NFL and talk some trenches. Eagles center Jason Kelsey's coming back for a 13th year. The Ravens have cut their big veteran defensive tackle, Calais Campbell. The 36-year-old still wants to play as well. And former Manitoba Bison David Onyemata has agreed to terms with the Atlanta Falcons. Onyemata is 30 and he previously spent seven seasons with the NFC rival Saints. Number five on the pick six, Tyler O'Neill of Maple Ridge, B.C. and Jacob Robson of Windsor, Ontario each had four hits to lead Canada to an 18-8 Mercy Rule win in seven innings over Great Britain in the first game of the World Baseball Classic at Chase Field for Canada yesterday. The 18 runs, the most the Canadians have ever scored at the tourney. Tonight, 1-0 Canada plays the U.S. in the second game of the Pool C, uh, and our own Sean Kleisinger will be dug outside to watch the game, and he'll report back tomorrow. Number six on the pick six. What were you doing when you were 16? I was working at Tee-Off Mini Golf Course across from Lakeview Par 3 on Pasqua, and I was playing high school football at McGuigan. That's how long ago that was. Neither of those places exist. <laughs> I was driving my Pontiac Acadian, too, looking real cool in the poor man's Chevette. I said Chevette, not Corvette. Anyway, San Diego Padres prize-catching prospect Ethan Salas is already turning heads only a few days into his first preseason camp with the Pods. On Sunday, a day after making his spring training debut, the manager Bob Melvin at high praise, quote, He's well beyond his years. It's pretty incredible to see a 16-year-old with that kind of composure. <laughs> I'd say so, Bob. Salas caught the final four innings for the Padres in their game against the Chicago White Sox in Cactus League play and was very impressive behind the plate, like he belonged framing pitches like a seasoned vet. Probably makes a lot of us feel like a loser. All right, yeah. So there's a couple things there. We got a text, actually, um, anonymous texter. Please leave your name. Uh, I'll read it because I'm in a good mood, but normally I won't do that. High Sports Cage was able to email former Vikings D-tackled Keith Millard, who said Bud was a great leader and master motivator and did a lot of one-on-one coaching sessions. Bud Grant, passing away at 95. Guy lived a full life. Wisconsin guy, like I said in the pick six, uh, won an NBA championship with the Minneapolis Lakers, uh, went and got... um, uh, he played four seasons with the Bombers after playing with the Eagles, then coached the football team, and like I said, could have died in that plane crash. It took four Rough Riders and one Blue Bomber after the 56 All-Star game, but changed his flight, and the rest is history, unfortunately, for one side, and then fortunately for him on his side. You can send us text at 936-6262, the number to text. I want to give a shout-out to um, Ken Campbell. Colson Schultz's uncle, Ken, listens to the show, so that's great. Wherever you're listening today, give us a text, and we'll give you a shout-out. We will uh, we will go out of our way to mention you. we got a great show the rest of the way here coming up at... Um I'm I'm messed up with the time change and still uh, in my mindset. I know we've been doing this for a while since a uh, couple months, but I've been in the the uh, 
train of thought that we start at four. <laughs> Some habits are hard to break. We started three, three to six. So coming up here after five o'clock, our last hour of the show, Jason Shivers, outstanding D coordinator, sits in for Craig Dickinson as we're giving Craig March off to let him get uh, refreshed and recharged and on the way here to uh, coming back and being with us April, May, and through the season. The coaches are uh, taking off this week for San Antonio, Texas to have a little bonding session, talk football, and just uh, get on the same page, which is very important. we got Pat Chat, and then we'll hear from Glenn Suter before the show is done. This show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, supplying HVAC, plumbing, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada for a very long time, since 1892. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And uh, also our text line, like I just mentioned, 936-6262. It is powered by uh, Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, located at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua here in Regina, up in northwest Regina. That'll do it for this hour of the show. Talk to you on the other side of the 5 o'clock news. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Now, back in the day, we had something called the Coaches Show, okay? But since I took over, we have something called the Craig Dickinson Show. He joins us every Monday for a half an hour, taking your call and text. But we're giving him the month of March off just to kind of let him cleanse the palate Settle down and ramp it up again in April, May, and right through the end of the season, okay? So, stepping in for him will be various coaches. Last week, we had Kent Majuri, the special teams coordinator, in, and today... The Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. Get far, uh, fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. I'll tell you what. Let's hit this, and then you'll find out who's on the other side. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. Jason Shivers. Hey, uh, Shive, you're, uh, you're here in 2015. We're going into 2023, so that'd make like eight years. Uh, my, how time flies. Oh, yeah, man. Been a lot of great years. I mean, even with the ups and downs, you know, but uh, to be a great organization, man, and, and then with, you know, the, the rider faithful, it's amazing. It's been an amazing ride. Do you like coaching in a fishbowl that's Regina, Jason? I love it, man. It's, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of being down south, you know, and, uh, you know, the way the fans are, the engagement, uh, the way they follow every move. Uh, how things happen, it, it really, you know, it, you know, some people say pressure, but, you know, it really makes you uh, enjoy what you do and, and want to put out a great product for the fans. Jason, I've asked other guys as players and coaches, I don't want to dwell too much on 2022, but I think it's worth asking you, is, is there a moment or a time where you thought this season kind of went off the rails or was just a cumulative thing? Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I mean, at this point in time, I kind of moved on from that season. Uh, you know, it is what it is from last year. Everybody understands that we had some difficulties that we had to face, some hurdles that we we uh, tried to work together as a team, as an organization to overcome. But in the end, we weren't able to achieve that uh, in last season. But 
like you say, it's on the 2023, you know, getting ready for our, our coaching meetings in the upcoming week, getting ready for this upcoming training camp, uh, excited free agencies behind us, excited about the players we signed. Uh, you know, everything is looking forward and, and upward to, you know, having a having a great season this season, uh, 2023. Jason, we'll talk about some of the players you added, but let's talk about this a little uh, bonding session you guys got going this week in San Antonio, Texas. How good is it to break bread with the new coaching staff? Oh, it's always great. I mean, you know, for me, I only have one new addition on my side of the ball, but obviously we have some new additions on, on the offensive side, which is always exciting to work with new coaches, hear new ideas, uh, gain insight from you know, their past experiences and try to add to mine and, uh, you know, look forward to getting together as a team. You know, I look, kind of look at it as, uh, you know, we're playing hoops, you know, we're playing pickup basketball. It's, it's our coaching staff versus all the other coaching staff. So, you know, being able to get out there, get together and talk, talk shop, talk football, talk about scheme, talk about how we can be better. Uh, that's always the exciting thing. What are you looking for from your new defensive line coach now that Ben Olsen has left and you've brought in an, a, a new face? Uh, you know, I just want to continue the continuity that we had with the D-line. Coach Olsen did a great job uh, as far as, you know, bringing the guys together and, and getting them uh, to focus on one common goal, which was get after the quarterback. You know, there were times where we let the quarterback out last season, you know, but the, the quarterback play, you know, last, last year we faced some, some good quarterbacks who were able to escape the pocket. And, you know, that's the same case coming into 2023. Uh, we're looking forward to being able to collapse the pocket a little bit more, keep the uh, quarterback in the pocket, and, and uh, get back into that sack race. You know, the interior of the D-line is usually uh, you know key in terms of eating up blocks and getting that quarterback off his spot, He, you know, not being able to step up in the pocket. That's where I kind of thought the defense started to slide a bit when either because of certain situations, we know what I'm talking about, or injuries, the interior of the D-line kind of exposed maybe other warts or deficiencies in the defense. Did you kind of see it that way? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, uh, we had some newcomers in there, some some rookies some new guys in there that were kind of thrown into the fire uh, and had to try to pick up the slack of where we lost some of our guys that, you know, were, um, you know, causing havoc early in the season. But I think those guys coming back into this year, you know, I'm talking about the DeMarcus Christmases of the world, Miles Browns of the world, uh, you know, they'll have a year under their belt. They'll understand the play. Uh, coming up from down south is a little different for uh, some of our guys. We had a, a bigger guys inside and, you know, you have to learn that you have to get off blocks and, and not, you know, you're not just holding down a particular hole or, you know, you're, you're just holding a particular gap. You know, the way we play the game is in, in our defense, we want them to be, get on the edge, you know, make the quarterback move, you know, make you, make, make the offensive line have to commit more than one to block you. And so I think that, you know, those two guys in particular coming into this, uh, this year will be better. But, of course, with the additions that we have with, like, Micah Johnson being in our system, knowing how we want to play ball, he's going to be a great addition to, you know, teaching these guys and, and leading and showing them, hey, this is how we, we want to be disruptive, right? We want to be disruptive inside. We want to stop the run. We want to tell them you can't run the zone play inside versus our, our defensive tackles. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. That was that's where I was going next. How important is it for a D coordinator like you to have a guy like Micah Johnson, not only talent wise, because he is a beast still at 34 years of age, but have a guy like that kind of act like a coach on the field? Because it's one thing to give your message from upstairs or the sidelines. It's another thing to be able to take it on the field and translate it to the young guys. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, every coach will say this. So I don't care what level you're on. That you know, when you have uh, guys that can lead, um, that that are players who can lead, that's just an extension of the coaching staff, right? And they understand the message, they understand the objective that we're trying to to uh, achieve. Uh, that that helps the whole group. Um, and then being able to go out there and not just word, but to show it, right? And I think that ups the level of play where everybody is trying to get to that level. And there, there, that's that inner competition between the defensive tackles. Um, you know, you have a special guy like Lanier who, who's a, a tackle, but he's also can play in. So he's in both groups. So he's competing with the ends and the tackles, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So I think that anytime, you know, you got guys like Lanier, you got Micah Johnson inside, uh, you got Pete Robinson, you know, these guys are going to be self-motivated. And at the end of the day, no matter what job you, if you're coaching football or you're working, you're working out, you're cutting, you're cutting grass or you're doing construction work, you want your team to be self-motivated. You want the people you work with to be self-motivated to do the best that they can, they, that they can do. This is the defensive coordinator, Jason Shivers on the Craig Dickinson show. We're giving Craig some time off and talking to his other great coaches. Uh, how much say do you get in uh, in personnel? Like, do you get to go to O'Day and and, and uh, Dickinson and say, "Listen, guys, we can't lose this Lanier the second. Or obviously, they already knew that because he is a special player. Oh, obviously, um, you know, I have I have a some say, you know. But at the end of the day, Jo pulls the trigger. You know, uh, Coach Dickinson has say. I think it comes from it starts from the position coaches. Uh, you know, losing Coach Olson, but we all have those meetings at the end of the year. And then it works its way up to me as a coordinator. We talk about it as a defensive staff. Then it works up to the the total staff, you know, working with Coach Dickinson. Then it goes on to Jeremy O'Day. And at the end of the day, he's pulling the trigger, you know, with Kyle Carson. Um, and, and, you know, they we, we all work together. But at the end of the day, you know, we knew that we could not lose Anthony Lanier II. He was a special guy. You know, unfortunately, he had some injuries down uh, down the stretch, which kind of kept him off the field. It was, uh, you know, an injury that was not a normal injury, something that's an everyday injury that you could just treat and get him back on the field. And, you know, as an organization, we wanted to take time and make sure that our players, you know, have the time to properly heal so that they can be good, not just on the field, but off the field, you know, after life, right? So, you know, we wanted to take time with his injuries, and we finally figured it out. We felt good about it, where he was at the end of the year uh, in order to move forward and sign him to, you know, a nice deal. And, and we're looking forward to big things out of Anthony Lanier. Tell you year. what, you, you got you got good performance out of Pete Robertson. Pistol Pete was rolling there, and then he took kind of a cheap shot in that Ottawa game, the same game where uh, Masoli went out, or when, where Masoli went down when uh, when Marino hit him. As he was kind of a casualty of that because Ottawa t- took it out on him. But just talk about his season because he was rolling. He was a great in a lot of different categories for you guys. Oh, definitely. I think he's uh, he's a very savvy player. Uh, another one of those guys who he takes his game not just being a player. He's trying to take his game to being on a level of a coach, which is awesome, um, meaning that 
he can play in the moment when he gets to a quarterback. He's not just looking for the sack. He's looking for the, the sack strip. Uh, he's multidimensional. He can play off the line as a linebacker. He can fit the run as a linebacker. You know, and when we go to our odd fronts, our 3-4 defense, uh, he's a guy that he can play in the 40. He can play the, the, the end, right? And he can hold his own in there, you know. And, and Pistol Pete is, is one of the a great character who comes to work every day with a smile on his face. He brings energy. And he's one of the guys that, you know, you love to go to work. You, you can't wait to get back in the building because, you know, guys like that who's going to be smiling, stomping at the bit, you know, to work, to get ready to uh, to beat the next opponent. Hey, uh, Jason, uh, Banks kid coming over from Calgary had a pretty effective career in a rotational role there on the, on the one-end spot for Calgary. Uh, what do you make of him watching his tape? Yeah, I think he's going to be a definitely a functional player inside of what we do. Uh, we do like to rotate. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him more in person, you know, because when you watch somebody on film, you don't really all, uh, always understand what the scheme was asking for him to do, right? So sometimes, you know, you see players and they, they do certain things on film, but that was because of the scheme. So, you know, I'm looking forward to putting my eyes on him, talking with him more on a day-to-day basis, and then seeing what we can unleash inside of his skill set. More with defensive coordinator Jason Shivers inside the Craig Dickinson Show here on the Sports Cage. Back after this. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And we're tight for time, so quickly let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and continue our great chat with Riders defensive coordinator Jason Shivers. Larry Dean moves to the middle now, I assume, with the Darnell Sankey uh, gone uh, to the XFL. Larry Dean, what an inspiration to your guys. And it's a more natural position in the middle for him. Just your thoughts on Larry Dean uh, last year and coming into this year. Oh, yeah, last year. I mean, uh, we didn't know if we were going to be able to make it work with him playing the wheel linebacker spot. You know, he's uh, he's not a fresh chicken out there. He's no. not a spring chicken out there. But, you know, he had a, a tremendous year. Larry Dean moves to the middle now, I assume, with the Darnell Sankey uh, gone uh, to the XFL. Larry Dean, what an inspiration to your guys. And it's a more natural position in the middle for him. Just your thoughts on Larry Dean uh, last year and coming into this year. Oh, yeah, last year. I mean, uh, we didn't know if we were going to be able to make it work with him playing the wheel linebacker spot. You know, he's uh, he's not a fresh chicken out there. He's no. not a spring chicken out there. But, you know, he had a, a tremendous year coming back. You know, we know what the what the history was. And uh, I thought he played lights out um, in, in the wheel linebacker position last year. And I think that's going to be a huge benefit moving back inside to his natural position of Mike Linebacker, where now he has a real good understanding of what's going on to the right of him and to the left of him. Um, and then surrounding him with – uh, Derek Moncrief and Roland Milligan, and then you got Micah Tice coming back in, who who's been in the system, has played. So, and and those guys were roommates, you know. And that, I'm looking forward to, you know, what we can do with our linebacking core this year because again, it's not like a lot of guys it's like their first year, which a lot of times is when you see the defense really take off is when you have a a multitude of guys who are in their second, third, sometimes fourth year where now, you know, we bring that all together and we can really hit the ground running in training camp compared to, you know, having guys that are a little bit that are new, you know, first year, second year, where they're still learning the nuances, the ins and outs of how the defense works or how 
me as the coordinator sees it or how their their position coach sees the position. So, yeah, I'm really excited. You know, Larry Dean is going to be an awesome player. I'm happy to have him back in the middle of the field. I'm happy to have him back in Ryderville. Yeah. Hey, Micah Tights, I'm interested, and I'm sure you are as the D.C., to see how he plays Will now that we've kind of adjusted the hash marks a little bit. You know, it's a little bit more ground to cover. Yeah, a little more ground to cover, but Micah Tice is a very athletic guy. Um, looking forward to really seeing him get out there and move around again. We missed him. You know, uh, it was really uh, heartbreaking for him, you know, to have to, to leave, especially during training camp yeah. so early in the in the process. And it really, you know, you could see in his eyes how much he really wanted to be out there with his brothers and go to war. And so I'm looking forward to what he can do. Um you know, and there's going to be some tweaks that we're going to do. He's not going to always be at the wheel position. You know, maybe he'll be at the mic position. Maybe sometimes he can play in. So that's the one thing with Micah Tice. He's very versatile. He's very athletic. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how his growth um, happens over this the course of this season. Tell you what, man, one of my favorite guys to watch in the entire Canadian Football League is Derek Moncrief. This guy's an athletic freak. And really, down the backstretch there, he played with only one good shoulder. So that's a testament to him. And he's matched up against the Burnhams of the world and, you know, the Dembskis and those kind of guys. That Sam linebacker spot outside a quarterback shive, I think that's the most uh, important. That's you got to be the best player in the Canadian Football League besides quarterback at that Sam linebacker spot, in my opinion. Oh, the Sam linebacker spot is definitely one of the toughest, you know, probably besides boundary halfback, quarterback, you know, because those uh you know, you, you see great receivers, they're gonna they're gonna match you up, especially with a guy like Moncrief, because of his size compared to a lot of the other linebackers, Sam linebackers in our league, you know, people try to pick on him and last year, even with, you know, one bad shoulder, which a lot of people didn't know that he was playing through you know, he got interceptions, like you say, versus Burnham on corner routes and cover zero, not even uh, yeah. not even single high man coverage. So, you know, to see the things that he did with one shoulder, I'm, I'm so excited. He's really working hard. He stayed in Regina, got a baby on the way, Mick got married. So he's he's got a lot of foundational uh, energy that's going to propel him forward, I think, into this season in 2023. And, you know, to see him with his healthy shoulders back then, you know, he can blitz again. You know, he could do a lot of things uh, for us on defense. And that's, you know, like down south, you know, Nick Saban calls that position the star position because at the end of the day, that guy is very important to the whole defense. Well, I'll tell you who's important to defense and special teams. Roland Milligan. He he might wear number zero, but that dude is number one, in my opinion. He was flying around out there last year. Yeah, you know, that, that boundary halfback spot because of the hashes has almost became – you know, it's almost very similar to the Sam linebacker spot in in the way that the number of targets and the way that offenses have started to uh, attack the boundary, so-called used-to-be boundary side of the field. So, you know, Roland Milligan is a complete player. He's a complete DB. Uh, Marcus Clund, our DB coach, always talks about, you know, uh, with our guys about being complete defensive backs. And what that means is not just covering but also tackling also having the knowledge of the game, knowing how to fit. And I think everybody, you know, all the fans saw how Roland Milligan uh, displayed that last year in 2022. In 2023, I'm looking forward to him having an all-star year and shining even more. What are you looking for from Dalkey? I thought he was a surprise coming out of the U of A, a late-round pick, and uh, he played some serviceable minutes for you guys on defense and special teams. 
Donkey is a great player, man. Uh, underrated. You know, coming out and, and he got a university ball. I think he picked up the defense very well, fit in very well with the overall group. Uh, you know, became a guy that uh, not only myself but his teammates could depend on. In 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 down the stretch, right in big situations, big moments. You know, uh, you know, Mike Adam had some injuries down the stretch where you know Dawkins had to go into the game multiple times. And, uh, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter. And, no, there was no hesitation with me. And I'm really looking forward to him being able to take a big step forward, you know, play multiple positions, free safety, Will linebacker, some Sam linebacker. You know, he's a guy that really picked up the scheme and, and uh, really impressed me in 2022. So, if anything, I, like I talked to him about in the offseason, was just work on, you know, your athleticism. And then let's just come back and let's just, play with even more confidence in 2023. A couple more quick questions with the great Jason Shivers, our D coordinator. Probably the best in the business doing that uh, along with his uh, buddy Chris Jones. Okay, so do you kind of circle the safety spot as one thing to watch here? We're in the offseason. We're not near training camp, but we're getting closer. That's what I kind of look at there. Yeah, you know, the spot is it's, it's something to talk talk about. It's something that I'm always thinking about because our free safety is, uh, you know, our quarterback. You know, we're in talks. We're trying to figure everything out mm-hmm. as far as, you know, position, what, how the roster is going to shake out, uh, how the ratio is going to shake out, different uh, possibilities there. So we're trying to prepare for all scenarios. Uh, but, you know, you brought up some great names. You know, Dalkey, we signed some, some good young uh, guys that haven't, shown yet haven't came to camp yet that you know possibly could play that position so you know we just have to wait and see how everything shakes out after training camp but for us our free safety is definitely like our quarterback I mean he knows coverage he has to know fits yes he, he has to know blitzes because there's times where he could become the Sam linebacker there's times he could become the will linebacker so you know in our scheme we like to move our guys around we like to you know, let them play multiple positions, let them get multiple looks at different angles so that, you know, if, if you do have injuries, like we all know in the Canadian Football League, you know, with with a 40, 40 you know, 45-man uh, roster right there, you got to be able to move around and, and uh, you know, have people play multiple positions. Yeah, for sure. Hey, you mentioned something here, Coach. Two more quick questions for you. You mentioned something I wanted to touch on. When – do you know as a coach you can trust the guy? Is it a couple of the same scenarios during the season? Is it something in practice? When do you know, like, for instance, I can trust Jaden Dalkey to do something? You know, it, it starts off first, obviously, in practice and, and watching the practice film, looking at how many times a guy is mentally busting an assignment. Uh, it also comes down to I talk to the guys a lot. You know, when we go into training camp, the first thing I do is I, slow them, I show them a slide and it says effort in big, bold letters. And effort doesn't just mean you running to the football. It means, you know, do you come in early to work to watch extra film? Are you putting in extra work in the weight room with Coach Clint Spencer, you know, getting your keeping your body right, you know, strengthening throughout the season? You know, are you uh, in the community? Are you doing extra work in the community? Are you building bonds with your teammates? And through all of that process is where that trust is built that, you know, when you put a guy in a game, you call a defense, he executes to the ability, his highest ability, there, that is when the trust is built. And then as you continue to deposit into that bank account of trust, you know, it just grows from there. That's interesting. And lastly, Coach Shivers, when did you figure out 
that you wanted to be a coach and that this could be a profession for you, Jason? Wow, that's a, you know, crazy question um, <laughs> because I really didn't think about being becoming a coach. You know, my mind was uh, I was a very fierce competitor and I wanted to play until every last drop was used up. Now, obviously, we all know that the time is not uh, our con- in our control. Mm-hmm. There are certain guys who do, do get to go out on their own terms, like a Tom Brady or something like that. So for me, my career came to a halt after a couple injuries. And then, um, yeah, I started working with young kids, and it really filled the void that I was missing uh, from being a player. And then from there, you know, my wife and my mom, and and a couple of my uh, close associates was like, hey man, you should really look at becoming a coach, man. You do a great job with these with these guys. And you know, Jim Barker that works with the Toronto Argonauts was a guy. You know, him and Chris Jones were the ones that actually, you know, I reached out to them and they they gave me opportunity to become a coach. And then the rest is history. Well, we're happy the history continues to be written here in Saskatchewan. Have fun in San Antonio. Be safe, and we'll talk to you at training camp. Thank you. I appreciate it. Go Riders. Sports Ticker at 532 brought to you by Busy B. They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy B doors, the garage door specialist. 49ers signed quarterback Sam Darnold, one-year deal. The multi-year contract going to Jimmy G. At least he'll officially sign it on Wednesday with the Raiders at quarterback. Nothing official, but all signs pointing to Rodgers leaving the Packers for the Jets. Chargers running back Austin Eckler wants a big deal. He wants contract extension. The team not so keen on that, so he's asked for a trade. The sale process for the Ottawa Senators well underway as the NHL has confirmed that it's going over a number of bids for the team in the nation's capital. Got this text from Trevor, 936-6262. Good day, Michael. Just wanted to pass along the 4A High School Hockey City Final takes place tomorrow, 4 o'clock at the Wick. I was wrong. It wasn't the Hamilton. It's at the Wick in Northwest Regina. O'Neill. Uh, who has a 9-1 and regular season mark up against Miller at 4-4-1. and Should be a great game. O'Neill's trying to repeat as champs. We had um, the coaches of the week uh, singled out uh, in the show earlier as uh, both of those coaches doing a great job. O'Neill's head coach and Miller's whole, uh, head coach. So make sure you go check it out. Thanks to Trevor for the text. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. And Pat Chat on this Monday is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Check out their new menu at the CBH at CanadianBrewHouse.com. A rough weekend for the Pats in Alberta. They lost a heartbreaker after leading for most of the game in Lethbridge on Friday, 5-4 in overtime. And then, well, they got taken behind the woodshed for spanking against Medicine Hat as the Tigers whipped them 7-0. Although assistant coach Ken Schneider said it didn't look like it was going to be that way at the start. Well, you know, I thought we actually started pretty well in the first period first probably seven, eight minutes, we played pretty well. Um, started to feel like we were getting our legs and, uh, you know, that uh, get the uh, goal called back, which was in our favor. So, you know, uh, things are sort of heading in the right direction. But, uh, you know, the, the speed of the game, Medicine Hat really just 
their transition um, from defense to offense was great. Um, they shut Connor down pretty hard tonight. Um, just couldn't seem to get loose. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, we dropped, lost a couple of players uh, in the middle frame there. We lost uh, the, the fight. Uh, of course, we lost uh, Janelle. And then uh, Spencer was, was injured. His ankle uh, banged up again a little bit. So, you know, then we were playing with 10 forwards. It got pretty thin up there. Speaking of Riley Janelle, you were talking about the opening eight minutes of the game. Uh, did you feel that the, the fight for Janelle, obviously uh, due to it being, a, I guess, sort of, quote-unquote, a stage fight, that's why he was ejected to the game, but did you feel that when he dropped the gloves, um, I guess, in the first period, that it was going to provide a little bit more momentum for your group based off how things were going? Yeah, you know, I thought, you know, Riley was trying to get us get us going, and, you know, unfortunately, uh you know, that was the call of the stage fight, and I don't think we, anybody can argue with that. I mean, those those are the rules. Uh, and it was unfortunate to lose them so early in the game because we really could have used them tonight. And, and Kenny, uh, there was at one point, I think it took you 15 minutes and 31 seconds to get your first shot in the second period of play, and then I think it was only one shot through the first 12 minutes of the third period. So essentially two shots within a 35 minute range um, i don't really know how to ask this question but is, is is there anything you think that or any reason do you think why that was maybe explain that a little bit well it's pretty easy i think the, the obvious answer to be honest with dante is we played we were playing on our own end the entire time so yeah. we we weren't there at the other end of the rink very often but when we did have opportunities to shoot we we for whatever reason we've kind of gotten away from getting the puck to the net and so we're giving up shooting chances uh, and trying to pass the puck and make the perfect play, and it, it just doesn't work at this level. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second and long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former Ryder Greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. Glenn Suter joining us for Quality Tire, nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you, qualitytire.ca. Suits, CFL gets this all the time. How come it's such a bush league? The crossover team has to go to the east, and we saw it again this year in the NFL. Under the current rules, division winners will always host wildcard teams under the playoffs. But the Chargers have proposed something. The Chargers have proposed a change to the NFL bylaws that would see wildcard teams that are higher in terms of their record than division winners in the playoffs. Uh, they will host that uh, wildcard team. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that's a pretty good move, to be quite honest. You can't do it in the CFL with a nine-team league because the I always thought you could, but then I thought about this. The argument would be in the CFL, Glenn, that uh, let's go back a few years ago when Ottawa hosted Edmonton. So if Edmonton hosts Ottawa and they're the fourth best team in the West, then why should the third-place team have to go to the second-place team? You know what I mean? You can't really do it in the CFL. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, first of all, the playoff system in Canadian football is excellent. And, and I think we can just put that one to bed because what I, I find very interesting is that the discussions from a lot of the country's media throughout the last few years have, have always been really focused on trying to change or in their words try to fix something that's not broken which is the 
Canadian Football League playoff format. I, I think the playoff format is outstanding. It gives that the you know a team that is sort of 500 through the year a chance to still cross over and make it, but it also uh, protects against a team that has a losing record from making the playoffs, which it was for years prior to the change. So the the format is excellent. What I find interesting, though, is throughout all these years where the focus has been on fixing something that's not broken, you got to change it, something's going on in the CFL, where's the discussion on the NFL playoff format and how teams with inferior records make the playoffs over other teams mm-hmm. where is the where is the intent now i've heard a little bit more about it this year but where is the intense discussion on nhl teams deliberately tanking to get the first pick in the draft i mean you you are paying top dollar for an nhl ticket to go see your team live and you're going to watch them mm-hmm. tank on purpose. Now, people will say, well, players don't do that. Well, it sure is a hot topic, and, and coaches can manipulate that by who they play and the moves that they make around the trade deadline. So, I, you know, I, there, there, are, there are little, um, you know, issues, I guess you could say, in other sports, which seems to be ignored quite often. I, our playoff format is just fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bud Grant, what a great life when you look back on it. You forget when somebody's alive, you don't really look at their life, and then you Wikipedia them and look at their bio when it's all typed up after they die. What a life that guy had, and I always loved how he loved the CFL, and he came to the CFL at a time where the Canadian Football League was paying more money than the NFL. Yeah, I, I just you know the the thing that jumps off the page for me, and I and I saw this on Twitter, and I and I didn't realize it, but I wrote it down because I just to me it it really um, you know highlights what Bud Grant was all about. First of all, his great pride in being part of the Canadian Football League and and being part of our country by extension, and how much he appreciated it and how much he respected the talent and the commitment that is equally as, as uh, you know, as, as in-depth as it would be in any other league. And I, and I love this quote that he used to have in his office, which was written by, uh, in his words, a, a Chinese prophet from 585 B.C., where he said, a leader is best when people barely know he exists, not so good when people obey and acclaim him, worse when they despise him. But if a good leader who talks little when the work is done, the aim fulfilled, that he will then say, we did it ourselves. I, I just, that kind of, that quote that he used to have in his office, to me tells you everything you need to know about Bud Grant, which was that, a leader has a responsibility to to defer the credit to everybody else in the organization, no matter where, uh, you know, what, what company you're running or what team you're, you're leading. You have to, you know, put your own personal agenda aside for, for your team, and that's what Bud Grant was all about. Well, I love what he said the last time he was really uh, interviewed in depth. Um, 
I attended enough meetings to know that the NFL wants to avoid admitting Canadian football has a better idea about anything. Yet, they should follow Canada and take away the fair catch. There's no fair catch in Canada, but the coverage also has to give the returner five yards. NFL people hear this and they'll say it will increase injuries. The five-yard cushion makes all the difference. My opinion is there won't be a real increase in injuries and the punt would become an interesting play. Yeah, so I love the fact that he... uh, Football's entertainment and you find entertainment in the the CFL. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And, you know, and that was just recently. That was yeah. just prior to him passing. May, and, in May, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I, I just still forever a great ambassador for Canadian football. And yet another guy who was deeply involved either as a player or a coach, and it's been every single person that I know and that I played with and played against that I've talked to have said the same thing and have shown great respect for Canadian football. And that same thing that they've said is that it's tremendous athletes. It's a real exciting high pace game and you shouldn't really change or try to fix anything because it's not broken. So Glenn Suter press coverage here for quality tire. And we thank the hall of fame broadcaster for joining us. Listen, um, I, the irony was not lost on me that, uh, uh, that Mr. Palado, former leader of the Parti Québécois, a party that wanted to bust up our country, is now the owner of a Canadian Football League franchise. That, that irony wasn't lost on me, but I'm not going to pick holes in this. I Listen, guy's got deep pockets. He said all the right things. Instead of jumping all over him, let's let it play out, and let's be happy somebody has stepped to the plate to pay the bills for this team. And he has a media background, which should help the other Board of Governor members uh, when it comes to negotiating next time for rights. Yeah, it didn't take long for, for some in the media to start poking holes in it, and uh, I saw that on Twitter. But this this day, uh, the day that this was announced and that the deal was done, was a very, very good day for Canadian football for a few reasons. I mean, um, you know, uh, Pierre Pelado has uh, a great background and, and maybe the most important aspect of this sale and this and this owner is that he has such tremendous pride in the province of Quebec and you know he is a Montrealer that uh, is doing this for the right reasons he reminds me of a bar Noman and every time I have seen a clip from uh, Mr. Pelado I see him say uh, that they're in it for the long haul, that they want to be part of the community, they want to grow it from the grassroots up. And and that, to me, is the most important part of this deal. The second most important part is that, as you mentioned, his company has you know, a great portfolio, which includes media, which includes uh, TV stations. Another aspect of it is that there are sports franchise involved in this, so he has experience in both of that in both of those areas and you know and media could create great competition which is good for everyone and the third most important part is that he has deep pockets and that you know this is a guy that you know while he he gets his imprint on it when he gets his personality injected into the team um during that time that build-up time over the next two or three years like amar doman in vancouver you know he can he can write some checks and and he can you know get things on the right track and and you know get them going without the concern of of the finances being too much of a burden so um yeah those are the three most important but i put the deep pockets third in that list 
because the other two are probably more crucial. Yeah, actually. No, good point. Uh, kind of a theme at the start of this interview, legacy, you know, maybe building a legacy in Montreal with local ownership. Bud Grant was a legend. And Aaron Rodgers has legendary status in the NFL, but he's going to leave Green Bay uh, for the Jets. It's basically a foregone conclusion. How important was it for Glenn Suter to spend his entire career in one place? And could you have left, and why didn't you? Yeah, I, I could have. I mean, you know, anytime you're approaching free agency as a player, you can make the decision going in that you're going to wait and see what the market will bear and and then make a decision based on that. Um, so I did have opportunities to make that decision. No, that would be at the beginning of your of your final year of your contract. So you basically are trying to make that decision at that point to say, I'm going to let it play out, even if the team wants to offer me something as an extension, I'm going to let it play out and see what the market will bear and go from there. So that can that decision is is one that players make every single time they're in that position. Uh, I, I chose not to because, uh, first of all, when I got off the plane in Saskatchewan and I could just I could feel the history at Taylor Field when I walk into that building for the first couple of times just to see, you know, about the legend. I mean, obviously I knew because I was such a huge fan of the game as a little kid growing up in Prince George first and then in Vancouver second for high school that I, I just, I love the Canadian football league. I love the Jerry Taggies and, and Leon Brights and guys like that, that were playing in the league when I was a kid and was a huge fan. So when I stepped on to the first time to walk into Taylor field and I could feel Ron Lancaster, I could feel George Reed in that building. I thought, Man, if I could play one snap in this building. And then when I got to and I made the team, you know, I, I was going to respect that forever. It was going to take a lot to get me to move to another franchise. The, you know, the only one that made sense really for me would have been BC because I have so much family and friends here mm-hmm. that, you know, it would have been it would have been kind of cool for them to all have season tickets. And, you know, when I did play in Vancouver as a rider, they would they would bring huge signs and stuff like that, which was really cool. Um, but that was more important. You know, like, uh, that's why whenever we get into free agency discussions, Michael, I always say, you know, when the money is so close, you know, 10000 here after taxes, what does that really mean in your pocket? When the money is close, there's a lot of other factors that become more important. And, you know, unless you're going and, and doubling your contract, and I get Kenny Lawler and guys like that, like I get why they make that. Those are big differences. When you're talking 40, 50 grand difference, you know, you, you that's important. But mm-hmm. when it's a smaller amount and you're just saying, look, I, I love this locker room. I love this history of this team. The fan base, when you walk through a grocery store and they all want to say hi and and then you go into Taylor Field, and those stands are just erupting. Man, I, I remember playing against Sacramento with David Archer with the Taylor Field so jam-packed. They were all on the grass and all the fans. It was just – and when we won that game in the final seconds and the field just got swarmed by fans, I thought, wow, I'm never, yeah. I'm never leaving this. Awesome. I'm never leaving this. Entirely. Hey, we're gonna talk, yeah. we're gonna talk about NFL free agency with some Canadian ties here. I think uh, it'll be worth talking about here on the other side. This is the Sports Cage for on six twenty CKRM.
Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back. It's Quality Tire sponsoring press coverage. Glenn, we did a little uh, pre-show uh, line up here what we're going to talk about, but I'm going to throw an audible and save some of those other talking points for Thursday. I know you're a pro, so you can do it on the, on the fly. You better be. You're a Hall of Famer. Uh, so, so, so here we go. You go ask Alex Singleton, formerly of the Calgary Stampeders, if he's thankful there's a Canadian ratio for all the old, oh yeah, 10 years, 10-year deal, no Canadians, which was the malarkey thing they threw at the start of last training camp. Because today, the Canadian slash American linebacker signed a three-year deal worth $18 million, $9 million guaranteed with the Denver Broncos. If he doesn't have a Canadian ratio spot with the Stamps, he ain't playing football in the NFL or anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of many many reasons that the Canadian ratio is so important. And and believe me, there's different forms of an American ratio in different ways when you're going the other direction. And you know, I I know that from personal experience with one child that has gone to school in the states in musical theater and another child that has gone to school in the States and just uh, recording, you know, music and, and writing and singing and playing music. So, uh, you know, I know there are ratios. I know it's difficult for Canadians to work down there. You have to get temporary visas that they're very difficult to get. They're very expensive. Um, so, yeah, there's there's many, many reasons. And, and this is just another example. I mean, the, another one is where, and, and sort of the opposite of it is, we're, we're, we're highlighting these Canadians and giving them a chance to grow into becoming professional football players, which if it doesn't take, if it takes more than a year or two, then ratio or not, the player, if he, if he can't become a pro starter, that player will then be weeded out of the system and there'll be a new Canadian coming in. So there is a developmental aspect to the ratio that's really important. But once you get there, and once you get that opportunity, then, you know, the sky's the limit and something like Alex Singleton can work. So, and can happen. And, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Without the Canadian Football League and, you know, in particular, the Canadian ratio, Alex Singleton doesn't get this contract. Well, he doesn't get this opportunity. And here's one for you, Suits, before we wrap up. A lot of people on this side of the border, in the media, only pay attention to you sports couple, three weeks out of the year. I, I do all year long junior football. I know you do too. Um, I'm probably a little deeper than you just because I have a lot of yep. kids my son went to school with are still playing. But here's why you don't poo-poo U sports. This guy didn't go to Alabama or LSU or Tennessee. His name is David Onyemata. He went to the University of Manitoba Bisons. He's going into his eighth year in the NFL. He's just left the Saints to sign with the Falcons. It's a $35 million deal over three years, $24.5 million guaranteed. He's U Sports trained. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the reasons that I feel so confident in, in the idea that we should have a Canadian ratio when it comes to coaches as well. And, you know, even if that's one or two coaches on the staff to start with that have to, you know, come up through the Canadian system and be Canadian because, you know, that argument that, well, they're not going to be nearly as good as Alabama or Washington State or or whatever other Division One school you want to name, 
down south. I would strongly disagree with that. Not only are they as good in the fundamentals of coaching the game of football at U Sports, but they are also more familiar with the Canadian Football League and the rules that make it, uh, you know, a completely different game in a lot of ways. A different style of athletes, different angles, different field size, different motion rules, all of it. So, yeah, I, that's why I've always said that, you know, having a Canadian coach that has gone through the U Sports channels is going to strengthen your pro team in our country, not weaken it. So I'm all for a ratio if you want to go that that far. Glenn, love talking football with you. we got a lot of great rider and CFL-related topics to tackle uh, when we meet again on Thursday. Thanks for your time. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the Junos. I imagine you're going to watch a little bit of that, too. Yes, and I hope there's not someone sitting in there with that big dress on that's blocking the person behind him. You see that in the uh, in the Oscars last night? Uh, you know what, man? I don't watch the I don't watch many awards. I watch a bit of Junos, uh, to be honest, yeah. and not uh, Golden Globes, maybe not the Oscars. Although I do want to. Hey, Brendan Fraser, the Canadian, won the uh, Academy yeah. Award for Best Actor in a Film uh, that show, The Whale. I'm going to go watch that. That's uh, that's streaming now. So. Yeah, we'll watch little Junos, but uh, yeah, I, I, people who watch the Oscars know exactly the dress I'm talking about. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny. Anyway, take care, man. Michael. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks. This show has been brought to you by our friends at uh, Andrew Sherrod Limited. All our guests came to you via the Western Pizza Hotline tomorrow on the show. We already got a jam-packed show. People lining up to... Come on this show, man. Let me just give a little teaser here. Uh, we've got um, Taylor Cornelius, quarterback of the Edmonton Elks. Claire Hanna from TSN Ottawa. Arash Madani, Sportsnet, live from the World Baseball Classic. Our own Sean Kleisinger, live from Arizona. Luke Molitor in studio. And the center of attention for your Rough Riders, Peter Godber. That and much, much more. It's the Sports Cage coming up tomorrow, 3-6, to 6, here on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. March 13th, 2022. After a 40-day retirement, Tom Brady announces he will play one more season. He has since retired again and has signed a 10-year broadcasting contract worth $375 million. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.